When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. What's good, Internet? It's January 27th, 2023, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 537. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by, for the moment, <laughs> just Patrick Clapper. Yeah, it's just us, Rob. Let's go! This is our own goblin mode. <laughs> we're just we're going to open up this podcast and just talk about some dead space by ourselves. Hell yeah. Uh, so the reason that we're doing this late at night on Wednesday is because, as I've alluded to, uh, my apartment is a shambles right now. People are building stuff in the front area. I spent the entire day sealed inside noise canceling headphones, which really worked. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it made it so that it wasn't too disturbing to like be here, like while they were doing all sorts of stuff, uh, effectively across the room. But I will say that like an entire day being masked up and listening to stuff through noise cancellation. That doesn't uh, seem ideal. No, and honestly, maybe it was also like the sheer amount of today I spent playing Dead Space, uh, all, like through those headphones. Like it was a lot of stimulation, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I like, I feel like a ruin a little bit. Uh, that said, you, you're, and, what you're what you're describing is uh, very similar to sequences of Dead Space, where you are Isaac Clarke in a mask, and when you're in not the zero G, but you know where like where you're in space and don't have oxygen and you can't hear anything, so you know you're just doing like a a full on sim of the <laughs> the Dead Space experience. Yeah, uh, so you you're gonna find you're, a marker underneath like your the boards upstairs while they try to build the air of the floor for your desk. Uh, there is some odd like graffiti left on some of the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. like frame pieces. I think it's more for uh, like this piece goes here. Here's what this piece is like supporting and bracing. <laughs> not, I think not, that's what not it's the for. old blood is the new blood or whatever's scribbled on the walls no. of the Ishimura. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. So, um, you know, I think the plan is like you and the rest of the crew are going to record like normal during the normal time slot. I'm going to be still here with construction crews going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could not wait till next week to talk about dead space. Yes. Uh, we, we, we've got to address this issue. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> you know, I love my cosmic core. No, I do love my cosmic core. There's no, there's no, there's no, but there. Yeah. We we're in like an interesting spot. We got the Callisto protocol, uh, you know, in December, a game that you and I were, I think pretty mixed on. And then by the time I, 
play, you know, as uh, described in various podcasts, I've kind of come around on the game. Um, although it was very funny was all me coming around on the Callisto Protocol, a game made by uh, at least one ex Dead Space developer. I don't know how much of the team actually encompasses that, but Glenn Schofield, who was one of the uh, co-creators or like co-lead whatever's on 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 de- at least the original Dead Space um uh, was the head of Callisto Protocol playing this new Dead Space only exaggerates more of what I wanted from the Callisto Protocol and in retrospect I'm glad I had speculated at the time when these were coming out so close to one another that well I have more confidence in Dead Sp- a Dead Space remake being really good because the bones are so good yeah. for that game that I'd rather play the Callisto Protocol first and Dead Space next because if we did the reverse I feel like that could go awry and I Rob I think I've been vindicated on that <laughs> piece of speculate that piece of speculation as much as I will now champion people especially if Callisto Protocol ever comes to Game Pass to be the kind of game that you you do check out it's worth checking out but I think as you uh, mentioned in the kind of opening line of uh, our piece, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, wait, hold on. I do. Let me scroll all the way up. You wrote, now this is more like it, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, you can't help but th- make the comparison. It's just, you, it's unavoidable. And this is so much better feeling a game than Callisto Protocol. Uh, you know, if you think about the opening couple, the experience of the opening couple hours here, mm-hmm. right? Versus what you get in Callisto Protocol. You know, it's funny. We make fun of the wall graffiti. We make fun of like how cut off their limbs <laughs> is like an excuse for just a wild gore fest that this game is. Like, it is just like, it is the most like late 2000s thing of like, how can we just make it so that You've just got jibs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just painting the levels in blood. Uh, well, we'll make it so that the enemies, you can't just, like, shoot to death. You have to pointedly dismember them uh, with a variety of, like, effectively hardware tools, yeah. right? Like, everything that Isaac uses, uh, with the exception of, like, something that is explicitly labeled a rifle, most <laughs> everything is, like, a repurposed industri- piece of industrial equipment mm-hmm. that is used by maintenance technicians on the ship. And so... It's it's juicy, it's it's gory, and it actually feels really, really good. Like the fact that you constantly have to be aiming at these extended limbs that the different enemies have, and each enemy has like a different uh shape that you end up like you know, as they're introduced, they have different vulnerable po- vulnerable points, they have different uh but like the zombies in Resident Evil, they have different like attack animations that you have to like learn to time out. But you compare that where like, you know, right from the first of this game where you were fighting the most basic sort of uh, necromorph zombies that come charging at you, you're aware of. Like Isaac isn't exactly what you call nimble, but he's responsive Mm -hmm. and you're aware of like how you were constantly making these uh, little tactical choices of like, okay, I'm going to take another couple steps back buy myself time to line up the next shot, you know, keep moving all this stuff. You compare that, how engaging that is, how good it feels, how cool it is and satisfying when you, when you get these kills, you compare that to the right then left of the opening, like two hours of Callisto protocol. 
it's like one of these games opens with a real bang, like the just mechanically the, the concept works, like what combat in this game is going to be is really, really cool. Uh, Callisto Protocol, it's kind of the most important thing to find, right? And they, they just didn't find it. Uh, you know, Dead Space in the original game, they did find it. They did find a a, a fun core, you know, what we call like the core loop. They, they found it and right out of the gate, you're kind of into it. Callisto Protocol took so long to find any kind of good loop. And I think it sort of, it helps explain why these games end up on such different trajectories. Well, Callisto Protocol feels like an aesthetic in search of a design and Dead Space, yeah. the aesthetic is the design, right? Like they are so intertwined. Yes, in some ways you have uh, the environmental storytelling. To, to, when you view it, especially in the early hours, as essentially a form of tutorializing, <laughs> which it uh, it makes a lot more sense and you sort of can go along for the ride. But it, you know, when you, as soon as you see a necromorph, even if you didn't have cut off the limbs, I mean, you would look at it and go, well, this seems to be a zombie that has extremely long limbs. Maybe I should shoot those. Um, and it, I, I feel like that part of it holds up exceptionally well. I will admit there are, there is a part of me that this game does have punch, you know, it has a punch, which is really mm-hmm. only useful for um, <laughs> punching uh, spinning fans so you can collect them, pick them up, and shoot them at the legs of oncoming necromorphs. Um, or a stomp that is uh, broadly used uh, to either smash open a crate or uh, to kind of like do the last couple of uh, hits on a, on a necromorph that's on the ground. There is a world where, like, look, I, I did find myself thinking sometimes, man, if this game with some of the melee ideas that were in the Callisto Protocol would be really cool. Um, I think that the, the, the balance was just off on Callisto Protocol, more specifically, in which the, the focus on melee, the guns didn't feel great, the melee didn't feel great, and it didn't have that core bit that feels good over and over. Whereas Dead Space, at least in the, you know, like three and a half, four hours that I've played, like it's still always good, even though I'm blowing up roughly the same enemy for the umpteenth time to like watch them crumble to the ground because I've thrown like a well-timed plasma cutter at their at their leg. Yeah, the um You know, I think about Callisto Protocol, I think it's kind of revealing that it if you're being charitable, you say it reinvents itself uh, a couple points along the way. Mm-hmm. You might also say it just doesn't have a core identity yeah. and it sort of realizes at a certain point that like, oh, is this melee? Is this melee kind of suck? <laughs> we can be done with that. Do we need to give other things, other things for the player? We're going to give the, we're gonna give the player other things to do. And it's, and it's almost at, at the point that it starts relying on the similar stasis ideas that are kind of pioneered or, or here in dead space that it's like, oh, okay. Well, you're just kind of falling back on the thing that like worked before. And at that point, it's almost like, well, then just be dead space, right? Like just be uh, like you because you can feel the budget differences between these two games. I mean, this new dead space looks gorgeous. I think it looks fantastic. But like a lot of that is happening in the exceptional lighting and the Callisto Protocol feels from the jump like the money is, is on the screen. Um, but I think it's a real testament to Dead Space's core DNA, that original 2008 video game, and then the kind of deft t- 
touch that the the team at EA Motive took for this update that it holds its own, even if you can kind of see the separation in sort of finances between the two. I'm not trying to call this this version of Dead Space cheap by any means. It, it's just it's it's intentions are different and like what it's what it's what it's trying to accomplish with what it has to work with is is different as well yeah it's um i i get what you're saying like callisto protocol you can see a lot of money and like, look at these kick-ass models we got these actors um when things explode it's like doesn't this look this shit look cool as hell like it, it feels like it's trying to impress you and on yeah. some level, it is impressive as a spectacle, but Dead Space. But the overall look doesn't do anything. No, I think no. that's that's the that's a big problem with it. Is just that Callisto Protocol is a game that it's going to be like dark. It's going to be grimy. It's actually in a lot of ways the way I remember Dead Space feeling. Yeah, uh, in in some ways, but it just feels like so much of that like care and attention is just kind of misdirected, right? It's like, you know, the artist delivered to spec, but the commission was badly conceived. Yes. Is, is how I would, how I would look at it. Whereas this, uh, I do think going back to the, the original game, they're building on good bones. There's a firm foundation that they're taking their cues from, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sure I will learn a lot from like the Digital Foundry video for this when <laughs> whenever it comes out. But uh, I I am curious if one thing that really accounts for why this feels so uh so lavish, so so detailed, so uh like like such an amazing update to the original is I do wonder how much they have to hand light scenes now versus. You know, you can just like create a source and dynamic lighting yeah. will work. The throw of shadows will work. The way uh, lighting even just like come like filters through different, you know, like uh, there's this screenshot in particular um, that I have found really striking. I'm going to paste it to you in our discord. Um, like a lot of the work that's happening in the lighting in this scenario feels like a lot of advancement of technology doing. You still got to stage it. You've got to set like, but that. You couldn't do something like this in the original Dead Space, and so um, a lot of that stuff does a lot of a lot of heavy lifting um, in in this new one. Yeah, I think we both, um, you know, there's a point I alluded to this in in our letter series that we did on it. I was sitting there, I was trying to think about like everything feels a little different in this game. Like, how different is this? Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it, it, like, especially with the performances. That's where I was curious. And we'll come back to that in a second because I think the performances are subtly different in ways that I'm not sure I love. But yeah. in going back to look at the original game, hey, man, Dead Space looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it doesn't, right? It's, but it's I, got, wish, like, I wish this game had... I think they they've changed. I don't know how much of the world they've changed. Like 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 for for one example, like the tram system is real time in a way that it wasn't uh, before. I believe I read at one point um, the original Dead Space is truly more of a level based system, and yeah. it just gives the appearance that it's all connected. But actually, this version of the Ishimura is connected, and eventually you'll be able to get to like zero space sections where you can basically free float between everything that you've been to. Um, they've really like thought about like how would that ship be constructed? How can we present that? Um, and now I've completely forgotten the point I was yeah. trying to make. Well, but I, I oh do, no no like, I, I don't say I was no. I wish there was one area of the game that could show 
that clip that 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 gameplay walkthrough that you showed uh to me that really put into stark relief what a 2008 video game looks like i wish it was just one room that's like hey let's show you what we did and has the little halo anniversary collection bit of press a button to swap between them because i think i think they did a pretty amazing job of updating this and honoring the original art direction maybe folks will quibble over that if you're a little more precious about how it looked but i think it would have been really nice to have one little bit where you could just be like, hey, I want to be in this room and see what is different about it between this, you know, 15 year gap. Yeah, I think the thing that stands out for me the most, you, we mentioned the lighting, but I think it, it bears some lingering over is that. In the original game, you could tell they had to like really carefully ration like, oh, we're going to have dynamic lights, like something that's flashing or rotating. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to really think about the shadows it casts and like, you know, kind of create this entire effect by hand. But everything else is going to be pretty static source, right? Like a lot of the game almost looks like it's being lit by like flat overheads. Uh, and so even though the game has moments of like really dramatic like lighting, for the most part, as you're going through those halls, entering these rooms, like things are surprisingly like sparse and surprisingly like evenly lit. The addition that we're playing now, this the, this remake, the way I would put it is like every single space in the game, uh, because all the different lighting sources cast their own pools of light and throw their own like little soft shadows over the space. There are so many spaces in here that feel like layered with levels of light and shadow mm-hmm. so that you like really have to peer into them uh in in some ways that every every scene uh feels uh, i don't like painterly is the wrong word uh but but every every scene feels like there's a lot of care and attention like lavished on it uh, dude this is uh, no more couldn't be there the first time. obvious than i mean this becomes kind of a bit in the game as it goes on and every time it fucking sucks i have to hold my breath is uh, the game will frequently have, not it's not really a puzzle, sometimes it's puzzle-esque, but this isn't really a game about elaborate puzzles. But when you are for, you're like, hey, uh, go up to this sort of like circuit system and you can kind of like move the, the power nodes around. And the first one the game has, minor spoilers, skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to know. You, you come to the realization, it's not a puzzle, it's you just need to turn the lights off so that you can keep going. And oh, it's a puzzle. You could <laughs> cut the power of the only elevator uh, that can take you back to the rest of the level. That's where it gets like, it is possible you could strand yourself. <laughs> and and every time the game does that, I just don't remember how those sequences played in the original. But in this one, the way the sound kicks in, the lights turned off. I'm, sh- I'm shitting my pants every single time. Like, I'm looking for any other way to do this. And I know the game has been constructed in a way where you can't. Like, you just can't. You got to turn those lights off. And it's moments like that where this, like, industrial lighting that is filtering all throughout the place, where these different broken parts of the ship are kind of filtering in and out of your view, when that all goes away and all you're left with are, like, a handful of emergency lights and the little, like, flashlight that you have at the end of your gun that it just it just takes on a different feeling and the way it plays with lighting 
Uh, again, I, you know, we talked about this in the piece. It's, it's hard for me to extract what is the game playing with my memory? How much yeah. is the original? I just don't, I just don't know. And, uh, but all, all I can get across is that the way they're doing it here <laughs> feels really good. Feels really good. Well, there's a moment, uh, a good point of comparison that I, I, you know, again, wishing for that one room where they could take us through what they're doing. So early on, a thing you got to do is you got to find the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you know, you know, you know, from the start, basically, he's he's in the morgue uh, and there's this entire like series of tasks. <laughs> as soon as they say that, access. it got me again. But it was just like, yeah, you need to go to the morgue. And then the, the whole sequence where. It's you know boarded up, and of course they they do they do the just the classic horror movie line of well maybe that was they to were keep people in <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I was like yes let's oh, blow I know, it up I and go in dude dog I like that's the other thing is there's so there's some beats that I'm just fucking stoked to see the minute you walk in there and yes they do the they it's weird they 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 boarded up the the uh morgue from the outside and I'm like yeah they did yes they did we got to go in uh but once you get there so this was a great sequence in the original game uh and if you look at the original game the way it plays out it's it's very cool you go down to the morgue it's it's a morgue. It's got the cold storage, uh, you know, lockers and everything. Uh, and then there's the exam room where the captain's body is. And in the original game, that is there's there's a lot of impenetrable glass in this game. Uh, that is where the captain's body is staged. And then this monster comes and like reses him and zombifies him. And he bursts out of this like uh, impenetrable wall and now joins you in the level and there's a whole like little like mini boss encounter as a combat encounter. Uh in the current version in this sequence uh for one the morgue is scary as hell. Mm-hmm. It was before but the thing they can do now is the way fog fills and hangs in a level and diffuses light is so much more complicated and interesting that like already it feels just like an absolutely cursed place they can be way more dense with the amount of like detail and models that are in the space so like in the original game it's a pretty sparse room there's like a couple gurneys that are left there to suggest like yeah it's uh they were stacking bodies up here but for the most part it's a it's a ballroom floor for you to fight a bunch of monsters and the way they handle it in the new game is you actually do go into the exam room. You have a really like freaky encounter with uh, a new enemy type, the captain. And because the space is more dense, the fight you get in is much more close quarters. And actually, a lot of this game feels like it ends up mm-hmm. unfolding in closer quarters uh, because there are places where things now just get congested. Uh, where before they weren't, where the, before it was just like kind of open space that you could trade for time. And so you end up with a lot more like panic inducing, like, I want to back up out of here, but I can't because like I'm in a narrow little, like I'm in a narrow space between uh, some shelving and a hospital. And it, and it doesn't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I believe I tried it once or twice, but it doesn't have what has become a, a fairly standard mechanic in uh a lot of these types of games which is to hit like back and x or a and the character kind of does a 180 uh 
Isaac is is pretty tank like uh, was in the yeah. original game. And again, I'm, I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I actually don't think that's a move that he has here. And it feels deliberate. It feels purposeful because that would give a sort of agility to the character that defies how they're portrayed, right? Like even when you get to sequences where you can lift off and explore, like, he's not a ballet dancer. It still feels no. kind of like, <laughs> like you're just barely getting along. And th- there are so many times where in that close quarter combat, it's like all turning around and running really is not putting yourself in position to do much of anything except to just like run sprinting away scared you're not you're not really gonna like leave turn around set up a shot like once you've turned around to run if you don't have already open runway like you're you're already kind of fucked um you kind of have to be pretty aware of your of your surroundings and and i agree with you that it feels uh frequently whether it's the i think it's a combination of the level design and how the the enemies are actually being literally deployed uh that is resulting in encounters that feel frequently close quarter because I think that they also hide them better. Um, It is, I'm not seeing them coming nearly as often. Maybe the best cue that there's an enemy is sometimes the music kicks in too fast in which there is a deliberate difference between the audio cues when there isn't an enemy and the audio cues when, you know, it just gets, it gets a little more tense. Like it's a little more upbeat. Um, like the violins are really kicking in and there'll be times where I'm like descending some stairs. It comes in a, just a hot minute early and I'm like, okay, there's clearly some, somebody around time to try to bust open a fan and walk slowly uh, forward. They don't do it all the time. Like sometimes though, it'll be a really like sharp, like, Oh, a bunch of enemies just came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll be, but you, the thing is you won't have seen them come in. So that, like you'll have to, and, and I think this is like why you can't do that quick spin around. One of the ways they get you here is that you, you like you're spending a lot of time in battle uh, basically, like zoomed in, aiming down sides of like not aiming down sides, but you know you're using yeah. his little like laser, uh, his laser targeting effectively uh, to to you know target what parts of the enemy that's approaching, and it's very easy for you to get backed into another enemy. And one thing you realize is like you really do need to sort of keep a mental tally of like how many of those little shrieks did I hear. Mm-hmm. when like the vents busted in because if you hear like three little shrieks and there's only one guy in front of you that you saw come in you do have to bear in mind that like you're probably being flanked or like someone's already behind you like cut, cut so, their legs off run away and give yourself any right. any daylight uh to reassess like who else might be coming after you now mind you like they do give you one very important weapon to help you do all this, which is the stasis uh, power. Yes. Like the fact that you can freeze enemies in place uh, is a huge mercy uh, to, to the player. Like it's, it's almost the equivalent of it's along the same sort of idea of the quick turnaround of like the 180 yeah. is like giving the player. It's, it's, it's a form of agility for the player, even though the way it's deployed is you're essentially throwing a like gravity grenade that is going to pause everyone for for a little bit. But it in a game all about tension and surprise, it gives you brief moments of reprieve in which you may not even necessarily want to attack the enemies. It's like 
I'm in the corner. I need to just get around them and run down the hallway. And then, hey, I can take out uh, the pulse rifle. I got way too much ammo for this thing anyway. Boom, like put down a grenade, like, you know, a proximity mine and wait for the <laughs> wait for those. Because they're not that smart, right? Like they no. they and, and it's on purpose. Like they they swarm they are they are meant to surprise. They are meant to startle you. But the moment and I think this is why, like the, the fact that this game and this version of the game relies so much on darkness and surprise works to its advantage because as you realize, like the areas where they do give you a little more space, like it kind of falls apart. It's not nearly as fun or interesting when I can like down a hallway, have an enemy run at me. It's like, all right, stasis, get your legs off. Oh, you're crawling at me. Okay. Well, I'll switch to the gun that I have the most amount of ammo with, and I'll just pelt you away. So the game works best when it's feeling very uh, claustrophobic and, to, to that point is the thing that I don't think you've encountered yet, but I have a real tick with these types of games in which if I get into a scrap and I don't know, I take like not just a small hit, but like a real big hit that, man, I could have done that better. I mm. will let myself get killed, go back into the sequence. This game is very generous with save points. Um, now in, in addition to save points, it has checkpoints on top of save points between big moments. And so it's fairly reasonable to assume before like a really tough encounter that you're not going to lose more than a minute or two of progress. And so right. I've been trained over decades of playing these types of games, hoarding ammunition, hoarding uh, health uh, packs is that that's all right. I could have done that better. Uh, and what I didn't realize, and I didn't pick up on it the first time, but the moment it really crystallized into view was, I think it was in the morgue area. I don't know exactly. It's, it was like one of those sequences where uh, it goes into quarantine and you're oh, sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah. stuck uh, and you have to clear out the area before you can go forward. I think it's actually it's right before you get a little story sequence where some unitology stuff. You get some for, yep. for some of the first things with uh, Isaac's wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's in the clinic. Yeah. The clinic. Yes. Yes. And uh, anyway, I, I, I went in, had what was a suboptimal uh, encounter. I was like, let's let's spin that one back up. Let's try it again. And so I go in. Quarantine sequence starts. I'm like, all right, let's do this. I know exactly which vent <laughs> that fucker's coming out of. I'm going to get the jump and I'm going to work my way over here. And no one comes out of that vent. And then all of a sudden behind me, an enemy comes out of a different vent and <laughs> completely, like, completely blows up my spot. I'm running to the other end. I like my, my goal of min-maxing this sequence, tossed out the window, and I'm just thankful I made it to the other side. That is really cool. And this game has this all over the place. I ended up finally Googling it. It has a, there is an actual AI director that is mixing up. It has different encounters it can pull from. I don't know if they're pre, pre-selected or if it's exactly like what variables it's working with necessarily. But the, however it's constructed, the end state is the game is tracking you going back to areas more than once in both situations where you die and situations where, hey, you've gotten a security level upgrade or, uh, you know, I, I think I forgot to go in that bathroom. I bet there are some items that I missed. The game knows you're going back and it's going to drop in new encounters with enemies along the way. And for a game that's a remake, lots of people are going to come to this for the first time. And bless your hearts, I'm very excited for you. 
But for for us older folks who this is, you know, experiencing like a proper remake, for it to still have surprise in it that that is more, that goes beyond just, well, how do they handle the lighting here? Like, how do they update the kind of core mechanics that feel more seamless in, in 2023? Dropping this in is so smart and fun and interesting because it keeps me on my toes in a way that I was just not expecting for this remake in particular. That is really cool. I have not uh, done much of the restarting because I've been like, it's it's a little bit like I will get to the end of the encounter and I'm like, I think it could have gone better, but I also could see myself tilting trying to replay it a bit. <laughs> Which is what happened. Um, so so that so the, that is what hap- has happened multiple times, even in sequences where. I've died and made a mistake and have to just go back. It's not like I necessarily, there's no guarantee you're going to do better on the other side because there's no provable design logic to like work against because the game is just giving you the middle finger anyway. It it is kind of cool that like, you know, this isn't the hardest game in the world, but like you do kind of have to respect it. Yes. Because when those encounters go bad, really what, Really, what you were being penalized with is the consumption of all those resources. Mm-hmm. Like that sequence you described, there's two tiers of it. There's the quarantine yep. battle, and then you go down to the area that you've unlocked, and then there's another big battle. Yeah, you th- you think after the 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 top level, I'm good, cool, quarantine lifted, give me a beat, drop some health, and then the game's like, no, you got to go downstairs, and you're like, there's gonna be more downstairs. I know it. And- they both went like shit for me. Uh, they both, they like upstairs. I was like disoriented by the flashing lights. Uh, they were coming from multiple angles. And then once I got downstairs, I didn't have enough ammunition that like you basically you're lower down and your back is against the wall. And I was like, I'll shoot it out. How many of these things could there be? Well, the answer is quite a few. And it, by the end of that, I had burned through a ton of my ammunition, but most importantly, I had been really flush on uh, stasis power cells mm-hmm. uh, so that I could like freeze enemies in their tracks and like do my thing. By the end of that sequence, like I was entering lean times of ammo that didn't abate for a long time. And I would still say that I've been rationing stasis a bit. Uh, like it wasn't until like I've just wrapped the uh, restart the engines and the fuel and mm-hmm. I'm on my way to like shoot some asteroids. It wasn't until that sequence I was kind of back on track in terms of resources. But when those fights go wrong, it's not necessarily that like, oh, that fight was so hard. It's that so many weapons get taken away from you in subsequent fights. And now you got to be like way choosier. Yeah, you're doing a lot of real time resource management with your ammunition where, you know, oh, was this was this the moment that I should have burned the 25 pulse rifle bullets to do the proximity mine? Uh, was this the moment where instead of using the pulse or the uh, plasma cutter, I should have I should just use the ripper. And instead of using the ripper, why wait for them to get close to me, which just allows three other guys to get close to me. I should have just shot it, cut off the bottom of one of his legs and let him, you know, limp his way uh, towards me. And that is all where Dead Space is at its absolute best. And yeah. it still feels incredibly good, incredibly satisfying and to have that all surrounded by this really, you know, d- darkly gorgeous looking game. I think the thing you and I were alluding to earlier, what we get get into in our piece, the part that I'll be interested to see where we land on it later in the game. 
Um, but I would say in this, you know, opening third or so, they give Isaac Clarke a voice. It's the same voice actor uh, for Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3, and all the other stuff that this actor worked with. So it's not as though they they did a recasting here, although I think they have recast some of the characters um, in, in, in this remake. Um, but uh, the, the Isaac Clarke is at least a consistent. And I was trying to wrestle with, you know, do I just – is like the voice acting not landing for me? Is it the writing? And I think you ultimately convinced me it is more the writing than the voice acting. I think the most, do you want to set up the opening of the game? Because I feel like your illustration of what happens in the opening, which is otherwise an, a killer opening sequence to this game, I think it helps illustrate the, the the kind of issue we're having with the characterization of of Isaac in particular. Yeah, so it's a little weird in both versions. I'm not gonna not gonna lie lie there. In both versions, it opens after you get the the, the title sequence. Uh, it opens on a grainy like video call, like video email from Isaac's girlfriend, uh, what Nicole Brennan, mm-hmm. um, who is who works on the works on the ship the Ishimura. But in both versions, she's saying like she she misses Isaac. She you know like things are not going well. Things have things have gotten out of control. And then after that, in and then after that, in both versions, we pull out. We see that Isaac, the guy in the suit, was sitting there watching this video as the, as his ship approached the Ishimura. And in both versions. Uh, the, the, the hacker lady is part of your team. Daniels like mentions that like, wow, you've watched that, uh, message a lot. A key difference is one in the original dead space. The message is so garbled that you really actually don't like, it doesn't raise a ton of alarms. It seems like she's sad, but not necessarily that like it's bad in the new version. It's a very pointed message that <laughs> like five alarm fire. Things Shit's are bad fucked. here. <laughs> yeah. And this was six months ago, right? So six months since this video is them arriving for this distress beacon. <laughs> and then <clears throat> uh, Daniels in this version, you, you and Isaac, like she and Isaac have a much longer exchange where she's like, man, you've watched that video like seven or eight times. You must really miss her, huh? Yeah, it's been hard. And, the thing is, crucially, he was playing this in the open. It's like watching it's like watching a video that your partner sent you on your phone in a room full of people with the sound up. Mm-hmm. So Daniels at least was paying attention. Both she and Isaac heard just a bonkers message. <laughs> just just uh, just something as you said, five alarm fire. And it's like, yeah, I know how it is when you're not with your boo. Yeah, I miss her, right? Aw, it's so cute. (laughs) It's like nobody's reacting appropriately and is ignoring this issue. And it there's a lot of sequences where things feel, I said, like, I think the word I use in the piece is like, things feel just disconnected, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not huge, but it feels like a lot of the characters' reactions are a little, like, out of joint with what is happening in the game. And also, crucially... They are preserving the overall flow and tempo. A lot of these conversations from a game where the protagonist was silent. And so, you know, you can imagine it's kind of like editing a third character into scenes who, who wasn't there before. It's not it's not quite this simple. And 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 this is, this is going to sound. But there's a little bit of uh, 
you a character will call you on like you know your your comms and says like hey man you need to start the engine and isaac's line is i do i need to start the engine and it's like great you gave isaac a line he's in the scene as opposed to like i'm not and in the sequences where like let's let's say you you pull up and you find uh you know uh these voice memos basically from these recorded security sequences from uh, your girlfriend, you're also, uh, fu- you know, uh, there are side quests where you can find more information about what she's doing. Like, Isaac doesn't say shit. <laughs> He's like, 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 no comment on uh, these ho- clearly horrible things happening to his girlfriend. So there's like this kind of disconnect that I'm having where I have no problem giving him a voice. That makes sense for consistency. It never quite locked in for a character to have this emotional survival thrust for the story to not to also not say anything during it but i there's something about the writing and the reactions and the kind of like non it's not quite nonchalant but there's just a lacking emotive quality to it that is not just isaac but isaac's the one we see it through the most because he is the lens in which we're experiencing the story but even like that that opening sequence where i think it's chen is one of the crewmate uh crewmates that dies uh in, in your ship that comes in I don't know. Everyone just kind of rolls with the like, man, and there are tentacle monsters and blood everywhere. And they comment on it, but there's just like a level of acceptance that like, so it's this not is, that big of a deal. I feel so I think in the original. And they're not Marines, version, right? They're like, hey, we're used to going into the shit and uh no. we're we're it's like, no, these are like computer hackers and engineers. Well, so this is the funny thing. So the original game uh, I think they are leaning more on like effectively stock characters. You've got Hammond, uh, who is sort of this like probably feels the most like ex-military. Like yeah. this is a corporate security job, but like took a large contract because like he used to be in the shit and like he's, knows his he's, way around. He's there to like handle all these little baby but computer people. In the original version, he is an asshole. And he is a complete, like, overbearing, uh, you know, you do what I say mm-hmm. uh, type character. Ooh, yeah. He is softer here. Yeah. And less uh, less overbearing. Likewise, uh, Daniels is the hacker lady who goes to pieces right at the start of the game, but not necessarily in a, like, oh, she's just gone hysterical. She appropriately reacts to the, like, what the fuck? Did we just see? And and there's a really good inner like byplay between her and uh, Hammond in the original game, because you got Hammond trying to be like, uh, "Hey, get stay on me. We've got this." And her response is like, "That is insane. Clearly, you don't got this. Nobody got this. We just saw like all hell's broken loose. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about?" And maybe it's that they just didn't want the woman on the team to be like the one who's like falling to pieces immediately. And so again, she also takes things kind of surprisingly in stride. And so the conflict ends up losing a lot of its sharpness. Yeah. And okay. They are less like stock characters, but now they don't feel as clearly defined one way or another, except in that they are not reacting as dramatically to events that are, pretty goddamn dramatic <laughs> like, rather than the most the most the most emotive that isaac clark gets in a story in which it appears that a religious cult has found you know an artifact on a planet that is going to doom 
uh, them all uh, is when he's low on oxygen. The screaming that he does when you're down to like 20 seconds left. It's like, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. <gasps> it's like, hey, Isaac, Isaac, like we're, if we're in like the VO booth, like Isaac, kind of bring a little bit of that 20 seconds on oxygen to like the rest of what's going on. It's like that's at a 10 and the rest of your stuff's at like a three. You need to be like a five or a six um, uh, elsewhere. I think I am curious what they end up doing with it. Uh, it does feel like. I would need to look up when you get certain audio, when you get certain logs. But like, I remember, I feel like in the first game, it slowly became apparent that like, oh, this church everyone ta- is talking about is effectively Scientology. Mm-hmm. And this well, it's called unitology. You know, it's a little. <laughs> well, but but also that like is doing all the like enforcement of like church yeah. doctrine and and such like is wielding a lot of power aboard the ship. Uh, and that sort of emerges over the course of that first game. I don't remember. Maybe I'm just like, you know, I've erased it from my head. But like now the first piece of information you have in the game, but I, you have Hammond's dossier on the team he is bringing aboard the ship. And there's a long section on Isaac, your character. And it outlines effectively that your mom got really far into unitology. Uh, it destroyed like you know she gave all the family's finances over to the church uh you know it destroyed isaac's ability to go to like prestigious university and then it culminates in like a apparently like a murder suicide uh you know his his mom kills his dad and kills herself uh and wills everything to the church and the last doctor to try to intervene to like save this woman was Nicole, your girlfriend, mm. uh, who, you know, was trying to avert this, like basically deprogrammer. And I just don't remember the game front loading this information that like, oh, there is a out of control, like powerful, like cult religion, uh, like that his that has been pulling strings including Isaac's life uh, and like that makes the lack of commentary in like when you're starting to really early in the game get yeah. insight into the church and and what's happening on this ship you think that would uh, surface more than just in a long like text dossier like he would have emotional baggage related yeah. to what's going on and it is not as though the character is uh, you know, one thing of the characters being portrayed and written where they're like, put it away. Like, don't think, you know what I mean? It's not like that's not being audible, audibly said by the character either. So it's not as like, hey, he's suppressing it, doesn't want to talk about it. That's why it's all going to get put to the side. It's kind of all there. The one that I did read, you know, pretty specifically that one of the things they wanted to do with this was like, hey, there were a lot of story mythology things that they didn't know when they built Dead Space. It wasn't a franchise when the original came out. And they've seeded other details about the series into this, not in a spoiler way. I don't think necessarily you're going to know what's happening in Dead Space 3, but there are backstory and side story elements that have been brought into the fold that aren't even necessarily... EA motive coming up with additional lore and mythology. It's more just, hey, here's what the original team came up with over the course of the three games, the side games, the tie-in animated film that I've heard is actually pretty good. I never had a chance to watch it, but 
Uh, it, don't watch it before you play the game. It spoils like yeah. pretty much the events of the game. Uh, so I, it's unclear to me whether where exactly that that is coming in, but it does feel like that could very much be something that's like, hey, we worked that out in Dead Space two and three. Let's drop that in here. It's interesting for the character's backstory. Gives again even more emotional weight to their journey. But then having a you know, a lack of commentary on it, especially early on, feels just a little odd because it's like we've given him a voice, but we're not letting him emote all that much. Uh, yeah, and you you get a bit more in audio logs and the journaling she does. Like uh, Nicole was really seared by the experience she went through with Isaac's family. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you see, you you overhear her in some of the logs you find, like being like the church bastards like i'm not going to let them get away with this etc uh and yeah isaac just doesn't have a have reactions to this stuff um even though they do pointedly have him reacting to things in this game uh so that's that's just like it's kind of the odd note in in all this Mm -hmm. is it does feel like they took different approaches with the core cast of characters in this game and i just don't know that any of them really ends up being an upgrade uh, that original that, that original cast, the original line ratings were all pretty strong. And here, uh, yeah, it does feel like everyone's just a little bit too chill uh, in, in the name of maybe not just like playing stock characters, but it's horror, man. Like, there's stock a lot of characters mel- what we do here. <laughs> well, stock characters and melodrama. And it feels like I'm missing a little bit of the, the drama in... What's happening? I don't need everyone to be in hysterics, but yeah, it does feel like we're missing a little bit of a, <laughs> a personal escalation at these necromorph creatures <laughs> running us down. But I'm having a really good time with it. It's awesome. I I don't think this is going to be like The Last of Us where I played about half of it and went, this is awesome. I'm glad people are going to be able to experience the game this way. Well, it's also not like the start of fall. Uh, in, like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I definitely feel like I got a little time to like uh, tuck into this because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of other demands on my time. Like after this, I'm like, maybe I'll finish the Callisto protocol. I think you should. I would be I would be deeply curious to see what you what you thought about uh, the, the end of that. But I mean, I yeah, like broadly speaking, I think they I think they've done a really good job. I think it's a really respectful take on the game. I'm. As someone that was a huge fan of the original, I like, cannot be happier. It's it's a weird thing to, you know, play games that try to match your memories and then yeah. kind of play with them. Um, you know, I think there's a very cynical way to look at that. And there's plenty of reason to be cynical about the video game industry and how it resells you your existing memories. This doesn't feel like that. You know, I, this feels like a bunch of people who really appreciated Dead Space and wanted to make something that kind of met the modern moment with that original game. It doesn't, it doesn't feel classless or cynical no. in that way. And, and also like, I think in some ways dead space still exists. Uh, and, and that's, obviously a, that's now, such a crucial part of that. Like you want to go play that original game. You can go buy it. It is backwards Steam. compatible. And also yeah. it's backwards compatible on the, uh, series X. Uh, mm-hmm. so like that is a game you can, I, I played a bit of it, uh, like a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I think, but they're giving you Dead Space 2. I believe uh I forget exactly how it works or it's on EA Play, but there's a way of purchasing this game and they're giving you Dead Space 2, a game they very well might go and 
redo in the same way they did this if this is successful i think it will be successful i think they will make another dead space whether it's a two or a, a pro you know a dead space four you know three ends in a way that there could be a another one um if they if they wanted to go that route uh but even the fact that ea is giving that away as a bonus is you know again i don't want to give too much credit to <laughs> electronic arts of all companies but there are like less respectful ways to treat the history yeah. of this franchise. And one way to do that is to like, don't, don't give away the sequel that you might be doing a remake of two and a half years from now. And I don't know, like all of that adds up to, it's very different than how I usually feel about electronic arts as a company. Uh, but it is cool to have seen this part, uh, this game play out. Yeah. It's, I, and the other the other thing is in in some ways some of these editorial choices they made I'm not sure I agree with all of them but I do like that to a degree the original Dead Space remains kind of its own thing mm-hmm. like you know you if you want that game you kind of got to go play it because the characters here are different like in ways that are not even subtle uh, in in places and that's what uh, I want that's what I want from any you know one of my all time favorite uh, film remakes is the uh, I think it was 2016, but the, the remake of Evil Dead from uh, from Fede Alvarez from a number of years ago, uh, in which like how do you remake Evil Dead? Like this, like Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, like very specific style of like horror and slapstick humor, which is more present in the second one, but it, it is present in the original Evil Dead. And the way that Fede Alvarez went about it was like, no, I'm just going to ditch the comedy and just lean into the violence because capturing that lightning in a bottle would be hard. It's not a perfect analogy here, but I I'd rather see the EA Motive team take some chances, right? Like we just talked about Halo recently and some of my problems with like a Halo 4 and 5 was with Halo 4. I kind of gave the studio a pass like you did it. Making a Halo game is probably hard just to like do it, even if you don't tell an interesting story or really leave your mark on it along the way. Now that you've done that, like, you know. Go like go take a bigger swing, and so I'd be so curious what happens after this one if they get the license to go forward with a two or a four or something else altogether. It's like you did it, you made a dead space, and I would play a two. Like I would just play the series again yeah. with this approach. But even if that's what they do with a dead space two, I would hope they would have the confidence of their convictions to be like we d- we've shown you can do it. Those original games exist. Now, like, let's maybe we go on like a, di- a slightly different ride. Um, uh, now that you trust that we know yeah. how to make one of these, uh, the you mentioning Last of Us reminds me of something else, which is that it is also just really nice to play what feels like a comparatively simple and straightforward and unpretentious game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not. It's not schlock. It's not a mindless action game, but neither is it like the Naughty Dog approach. And I think a lot of a lot of studios like sort of envy this or mimic it as as best they can in some ways. But like it's so heavily authored, right? Like in like there are so many things that are that are tailored for you to experience that a lot of times it it can feel a bit like uh, you are going on a 
uh, like you have almost an invisible tour guide uh, who is who is always with you. And there's there's always like a, a little like a little moment or a moment, a little reveal that you're encountering. And, you know, that can be really, really good. Uh, you know, we again, we we were both sort of really impressed with the last, uh, you know, the last of us uh, like remake remaster. But I'm also sitting here and thinking just how nice it is that like this thing just kind of gets into it. It's like, let's 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 get a move <laughs> on. Uh, you're going to be shooting a lot of these little zombies and you're going to be wandering through a lot of empty little rooms. And sure, you're going to be smashing open chests and such. But for the most part, like you're going to be going like video games of old, you're a guy with a gun in a corridor and there's a monster <laughs> in the corridor with you. And by God, I like that kind of game. And it does feel like they, like it has gotten harder to appropriately pitch them or scale them. Like Callisto protocol is way too much carrying attention to detail. Lavish on like the wrong things. Uh, doesn't it doesn't quite find it, it it doesn't quite find like the fun that needs to be there and mm-hmm. relies on a lot of production values to sort of try and and try and carry it over over that hump uh here now the game does have like you know obviously like lovely production values it, it looks great but it is fundamentally a, a game of like here's your slate of mechanics uh and tactics and you're just going to apply them again and again that can get a bit tedious with some of its puddle, puzzle design. Like, oh man, what else can you use stasis for, huh? <laughs> like that can. Hey, get remember a last time when we used stasis to slowly insert some fast moving machinery, huh? Yeah, huh? pretty clever, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, it can it can overdo that a bit, but fundamentally, like I I do like the sort of the the relative simplicity. Uh, mm-hmm. to this compared to a lot of what else exists uh, in, in the horror space. My last point, we alluded to this in the, in the review. Uh, so in general, now the Callisto protocol broke me on this. I was like, I got to play performance mode. I cannot handle quality mode. It like, plays like shit. Uh, I, I've been sort of tinkering in the back of my mind. just like, I have a broader anxiety of like, have video game graphics gone to hell? Like, mm-hmm. You know, I watch a fair number of like digital foundry videos. And these are people who care deeply about this stuff. And again and again, it's like, and of course, now when we activate ray tracing, it's all going to go to shit. <laughs> and I'm sitting there being like, well, then why would you activate? Don't touch the ray tracing button. <laughs> and increasingly, that's where I end up, right? Where it's like, I'm, I, I would simply choose not to press the button that will have the game randomly dip to like 22, 18 frames per second. Uh, and like have a weird judder. This game, I, you know, took a stab at it. I was like, let's see how quality mode does. It does great. Like it's, it's really steady. I have not felt there's been no moment where I feel like there was a judder or a stutter that took me out or, or more this, this tends to be what gets me to like activate something like performance mode. There's never been like a little stutter where I feel like, oh, I whiffed a shot that I wouldn't have whiffed or right. that it's like it's starting to make controlling this little dude. It's not feel that fast not of a fun. game. It's yeah. a slow game. And I, I've been on performance mode because I've gotten just kind of addicted to that stuff. And I'm, I got this one. I'm like, you know what? They probably shouldn't put out a PS5 Pro. But like, what if I could get a PS5 Pro and then like I could do quality mode at 60 frames a second? Like I'd pay 500 bucks for that option. (laughs) But uh, 
I, I need to I need to switch it back. I, I tend to like leave it at what the developers open the game at and the game opens in performance mode and then I switched it over and then went back. But I, I'm with you, like especially because the slower pace of this game, I think it would probably be fine. It also suggests to me, given how well the game runs, that, you know, I haven't seen any of the, you know, digital foundry stuff on PC because the embargo is not up yet. But I bet this runs pretty good on PC. <laughs> you could probably have the best of both worlds on like a fairly modest PC. This game seems like lean and optimized and probably runs uh, pretty damn well. But uh, I think it also speaks to the fact that something like lighting, it's its not the ray tracing, right? Like it's the stuff that's just there yeah. still looks spectacular, even if I'm getting it at, you know, 1080p running in a performance mode. Yeah, that's uh, I, I certainly have, have felt like uh, in general, I don't I, I, I am not sure this is like a a current gen showpiece, right? I'm not sure it does have uh, some of the bells and whistles that can really bring games to a complete screeching halt. Uh, but it does, it, it does present itself really, really well. Uh, it's got a good art direction, right? Like the Clister yeah. Protocol is technically really, really impressive. But I'm not going to remember what that game looks like a year from now. I've never forgotten what Dead Space looks like. Like so much of the enemies, the, I mean, I mean, the, the, the you know, the, the glowing spine behind Isaac's suit, like that is all just iconic, timeless video game imagery. Uh, and yeah, it all, it all holds up really, really well and looks, <laughs> it looks even nicer with its, you know, 4K <laughs> blood splatter. Yeah, we haven't even talked about like other things I noticed, like. Either it is a higher fidelity, like rendering of the score. Maybe there's some new music for it, but like, I don't remember the music sounding this good. Uh, the the score for this is such a such a good companion piece. Yeah. Uh, the soundscape of the ship sounds horrible in the best ways. Mm-hmm. Like the you you mentioned in your piece, like the the banging machinery, the sound like it's the banging machinery. It's like when you cut the lights and you hear the contacts like release. Yeah. It's like oh shit. And Those then might not the, turn back on. <laughs> and then there's like the distant wailing you hear through the vents that I don't like. That I'm mm-hmm. like, I hear people screaming and it's just like echoing through the ship. And I don't know what's doing that. I thought everyone was dead. Are there people currently dying? Uh, you think it's setting up like, oh, maybe in the next room I'm going to encounter whatever the source for this is. No, it's just <laughs> ship's haunted. <laughs> Click. Yeah, ship's haunted. uh but yeah like this is this has been a terrific uh game to play it's really the the vibe i wanted and get from the Callisto protocol and it's it's certainly like been the most fun surprise most the most fun thing to do this january right yeah it's been a nice way to kick off the year which you know last year had a lot of great games that i enjoyed but uh it feels like a lot of things that we were looking forward to got pushed into this year and before we get to a lot of that stuff revisiting the ishimura there are there are worse ways to to spend to spend our time all right well we will leave it there uh we're going to take a quick break and when we come back i will not be here but patrick will be chatting with ren and kata about the games they've been playing lately uh and i think we're going to get to hear about uh a game that ren reviewed for us this week season uh which he's very very high on uh so back after this
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. I've kicked Rob out. I brought two other people in. Um, no more Dead Space talk. Bad. Stop it. You weren't supposed to do that for an hour. It was supposed to be 20 to 25 minutes. But you let two dudes that want to dismantle cosmic horror beings in space time to talk in the dark of night and wow. what happened for an hour. Um, I can't believe but, you've done this. Uh, I am now joined by, uh, I'm flanked by producers, Ricardo Contreras. Oh my God. Hello. Renata Price. I, I stand ready at your side. <laughs> Charge. <laughs> Get on your mount. Go. I like that that's okay, the way I'm that... Okay, my big bird. Fuck. This is the way that you took it, because in my way, it was we were, like, pin, doing a pincer attack on Patrick. Mm. <laughs> like, attacking... <laughs> We did. We did get lots of. Uh, we did get several letters about mounts, but Rob is not here. So we're going to save. <laughs> Got a whole mount this. talk. I don't. No. 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 It could mean anything. Nah. It could mean anything. No, I'm good out here. Listen, y'all can y'all can do mount talk over there, but I'm good out here. Honestly, truly. Just saying. So we'll hold. We'll hold the feedback we got on our, our various choices of fantastic creatures made to the size of a horse uh, until we're. We're back on on money. We'll we'll have to save questions like, "Hey, did you see that Costco is proposing building apartments and condos attached to a Costco? Would you Sorry, live there?" What? I feel like we need nope. We'll wait. We, that'll you, those are hot button topics oh that we God. we gotta wait. We gotta wait for Rob. I, I looked those up. They were possibilities, but just know that those are oh, out there, and we will so get back exciting. to them on on uh, Monday. Yeah. Uh, Briefly, be before we get into <laughs> the uh, the games that we uh, have been uh, playing, uh, other than uh, Dead Space, obviously, which Rob and I talked about uh, in the first part of the show, uh, Activision, uh, which has been sort of the hotbed kind of of the like uh, union unionization efforts happening at like larger scale, like bigger companies. Um, uh, w- one of the studios uh, that was going uh, through this, uh, a World of Warcraft studio called Proletariat that is based in Boston, uh, have actually uh, withdrawn the union petition. To read from uh, Nicole Carpenter's article over at Polygon, uh, quote, workers at Boston-based World of Warcraft support studio Proletariat, also known as Blizzard Boston, are pulling their petition with the National Labor Relations Board and will not vote on a union. Uh, they announced their petition in late December, but withdrew the application on Tuesday. A representative of Communications Workers of America blamed management's, quote, confrontational tactics Uh, for the withdrawal petition, claiming the company held, quote, a series of meetings that demoralized and disempowered the group, making a free and fair election impossible. Uh, Proletariat Workers Alliance uh, was looking to secure a company's current paid time off plan, as well as flexible remote options, healthcare benefits, and ensuring transparency and diversity are top priorities. With the petition withdrawn, workers at Proletariat will not vote on uh, a union. Um, I, I will say, I, I believe one of the things that was happening with the studio in particular was that it was going beyond the QA team and was trying to encompass the studio as a whole. 
there has been very specific reasons why we have seen a lot of the successful uh, unions happening within companies, B sort of QA units that are sort of building off one another. Uh, Ren, you've done like some of the reporting for us on this. I'm, I'm curious what you make of this particular one, at least at this stage, not sort of advancing to the to the vote itself. I mean, I think that this is the risk of of doing a non micro unit, right? Like this unit, like you're saying, this is this is a diversifying unit, and like the problem is that different people have different relationships to management, right? Different different departments are just straight up going to have different relationships to management. And so like the QA testers might not be particularly susceptible to threats or, you know, speeches from from higher ups, but like certain developers will be, even if it is in their best interests. Um, this is like the, this is why micro units are so successful is because they don't have to really worry about um, some people being bought into bullshit. Uh, or, you know, being intimidated out of doing something. You know, having gone through some, uh, you know, I was at Gawker when broadly the first modern media union was was happening that has become pretty popular amongst places. It's why Vice has one now is because of the work done at Gawker. Yes, it can be, uh, as as you put it, like people intimidated and or uh, uh, bullshit. It can also just be the status quo is really powerful. Yeah. What you are used to is what you are used to. And it may not, it, I, I would not necessarily always ascribe malice to not being interested in a union as much as like, Hey, this is working for me. The uh, like unions aren't that most people do have, have zero experience with the union, right? Or what they see in unions, as we talked in the past are sort of anti-union rhetoric that is usually built around like teacher striking or, 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 uh, you know, police, uh, officers abusing unions in order to cover up for their own malfeasance. And so, it's a really difficult thing to untangle, but I think you're you're absolutely right. That's why you do it smaller, where you have a group of people who are who are who all believe in the same thing or broadly all believe in the same thing, because that gets more complicated the wider the group gets. And then you're just expanding the amount of space for people to fall through the cracks. Yeah. I just also want to be clear, like I don't think being hesitant is 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 like a, a sign of uh being anti-union. I think it's just, you know, extra complicated for some people, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's just what, Hey, that's why you form smaller units and then bring people on once, uh, they're more comfortable. Right. Right. And we're early days. I mean, I think that's why, you know, as we've seen unionization efforts happen at places like Starbucks or Apple or Amazon, uh, when those fail or don't go through, it is to me, it's uh, of course, obviously disappointing. I would, I would rather everyone was unionized and everyone was part of a group and working in solidarity with one another, but like interest in unions is at, is at an all-time high, both in the United States and in video games specifically. Those are the sorts of metrics I look towards rather than these individual instances not necessarily right. working out. Because it's going to happen. Like there are yeah. going to be places where, I don't know, you know, you know, maybe management does make concessions and it's okay. I mean, like, everything's complicated and everything's individualized and like each group's going to be different. But the fact that they tried to form a union, it didn't work out is a more important step along the way than the fact that it didn't work out. And hopefully this doesn't prove to be demoralizing to other folks that want to go this path. But it wouldn't shock me if what we saw come out of this is a realization, as you said, Ren, that the micro unit, especially when you're doing this like foundational work to prove the ideas can happen, to prove that you can organize, even though I 
stepping back in a union, have been in a union at this point for 10 years in, in media work. Uh, I'm a big champion of it. It would, it would come into, if I was ever to leave this job, I would prefer a job that was in a union than one that wasn't. And that would become part of like my job seeking process. Although don't look for a job in media right now. That way you might not be able to make that part of your, your hierarchy of needs. Um, when you're thinking about it, uh, you know, that that is, I have to imagine it's very demoralizing for the folks on the ground that were putting this together. Because for me, I can look at it and see like, where does this fit in the tapestry of where all this is going? This is encouraging. That's a lot different when you've spent your nights, weekends putting this together and you've seen at least this initial step not come together. I have to imagine that's frustrating and I'm deeply sympathetic to that. Yeah. Uh, Godspeed. Keep organizing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what happens here and what happens uh, elsewhere as this goes forward. Uh, we will, as always, be be paying attention to uh, stories like this uh, specifically. Uh, I'm also paying attention to, and I've also played a little bit of, uh, Season, A Letter to the Future. Um, uh, Ren uh, wrote a review uh, that is up on the site right now called Scrapbooking at the End of the World in Season. Season, A Letter to the Future is a masterful meditation on history and memory. Uh, off the top, before we get into all of the uh, glowing aspects of this game, I do want to note, as we noted when you uh, talked about this game, when it was on, I think, Steam Next Fest or one of the demo things, go read um, Rebecca Valentine's reporting on uh, this game and its developer, in uh, which a couple of years ago, uh, they were there were current and former workers uh, accusing the creative director and sort of like the workplace uh, and sort of indicting the workplace more broadly of being a pretty shitty place to be a woman, of being kind of a pretty shitty place in general. Uh, the hope would be that there have been reforms since then. We can't specifically speak to that, although if you're one of those people, feel free to reach out, you know, anonymously uh, if you want to share uh, your stories about how where, where the suit is out as this game comes out. But all that caveated, uh, Ren, this is a game that, uh, this oh, which is a camera beep 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 beep. As far as I know, no one picked it when I was kind of like poking around where people talk about Waypoint. But people were like, "Damn, what's that game Ren is talking about? What's she, what's she hinting at?" And we <laughs> th- we can reveal now that the embargo has also been revealed that Season was the the game that you were extremely high on and, and yes. hinting at. So why don't you, if people missed the original podcast, what is Season and why are you so blown away by it? So Season is a game about playing as a young woman named Estelle, uh, who is uh, basically recording the end of the world, uh, or what is effectively the end of the world. Um, The world of Season is broken down into historical eras called Seasons, uh, and the season is ending. And so you, as Estelle, are the first person to leave your home village in decades uh, to go out into the world to record it before the season ends. Uh, And to do this recording, you take a camera and a tape recorder with you, and then also uh, bring a journal with with which you fill uh, with recordings, sketches and photos, uh, in addition to like also short pieces of writing. That is that is the high level pitch on season. Um, It is. Probably my favorite game since Disco Elysium um, or or close to it, right? it is one absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it is an art style that is really, really gripping, uh, and more than having a ter- tremendous art style, has a really good um, command over, like, visual design 
and architecture and is able to like craft gorgeous environments and landscapes. I think you can have a really, uh, really beautiful, um, you know, art style without having terrific area design chops. And this game has it, uh, and is also just like a phenomenal meditation on like memory and, and history and how those things are deeply fallible. Uh, but in being deeply fallible are fundamentally human and, you know, still worthwhile. And in fact, possibly even more worthwhile because they are compromised by human beings. I suppose without getting into the specifics of the lore where it goes, like when you say like the season is ending, is yep. this, I, I'm also asking this knowing that I've also played like five hours of this game. So <laughs> I know a little bit about what I'm asking, but is is it apocalyptic in nature? Is this like a Majora's Mask where I feel like a, a giant moon is looking at me? I need to chronicle what happened in this place before it's all gone. What is sort of the sense of time and place and why there is such a gravity in recording what's here and the sense that it might be gone? So it's worth noting that from the at the onset of the game, you don't know what the coming season means. Uh, seasons refer to both historical eras and also like discrete phenomena. Uh, so, like a season, for example, the industrialization, right? Uh, the the golden what, season? No, the golden season no? comes after industrialization. Okay, I, I just one of the last bits of it was uh, encountering a car. I was like, oh, these were everywhere during the golden, golden season. season. But I yeah. I hadn't put together. I mean, this is very much a game in which you are. Try piecing together the timeline kind of on your own that um, as yeah. you as you discover things. There is also a timeline in your notebook, which is useful. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, there's a literal timeline like near the index uh, that will that you can use to be like, wait, when was the, when, when the fuck are they talking about? Mm -hmm. um, and so. So seasons refer to both historical events and like real phenomena. Um, this isn't a massive spoiler, but uh, the war the season that just ended, uh, sorry, the, the previous season before the current season, uh, ended with a event happening. There was an apocalyptic event that happened that ended the war. Uh, the war beginning was itself an apocalyptic event for the golden season, but the golden season was not, um, it, to my knowledge, there is not like an associated psychological phenomena. So seasons refer both to literal apocalyptic events and also changes in like historical context. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's like part of the the cool thing about the game is that like it, it's supposed to be muddled, right? This is supposed to be like the, the, the differentiation between seasons is supposed to be kind of indistinct. Well, it's, uh, it's sort of interesting because it's something that historians do with a, a lens to the past. And what's interesting about this game is it's applying a similar sort of logic to the present and trying yes. to, look at major events or instances in time that we would normally be like, all right, well, with a hundred years, we can look back and like, oh, this was the industrial area. <laughs> and yeah. like, I mean, that is there, right? And it's probably, you know, with time that, that can be made more concrete, but it's, it's really fascinating because I think the setup here, right, is that your buddy has a dream <laughs> and then the elder in the village is like, oh, the season is ending because my buddy had a dream. Um, and like that, that, that can be enough to signal that your character can go off and go record things because th that is just the way people sort of think about time. Um, not to mention time itself is sort of a, a muddy process here, which is an aspect of the, the world that I find very interesting that we can, we can touch on in a moment. Well, so the other thing about that, that dream is that um, the other thing to note about season is that 
And pretty much everyone is some level of psychic, not in terms of like there are psychic powers. They're not bitches out here levitating shit with their minds. However, there is a certain level of like interconnectedness uh, that I can't tell who's bullshitting me and who actually has some stuff going on because it really feels like everybody is bullshitting me or everybody has something going on. Everybody's got a little bit of something going on. Listen, Mm, okay. you can, so what happens in season... I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I trust this doctor that told a bunch of people you gotta go to the top of the mountains and I'll oh, solve you. He, he, <laughs> seems, he seems a little <laughs> suspect. Oh, okay, Patrick, listen. Do- don't spoil I, things. Don't I'm not spoil spoiling things. things. I'm not spoiling things. I finished okay. the game. I don't know about that motherfucker either. Okay, so all right. My, all right. I'm just saying the way people... Uh, well, I guess this doctor said he could fix my sleep sickness, so he told me to go to the top of a mountain away from everybody I know and to leave my family behind. It's like, I don't, I don't know about this doctor. Um, but everyone does seem very happy in this sky village. So Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Again, it's so good because like you, you are looking at characters who are pretty much always acting in good faith, but also pretty much always acting with imperfect information. Uh, and so, you know, eventually you get access to some information. Like, for example, um, in season, memory calcifies into crystals. Uh, people's memories sink into the earth itself, which generates like crystals and flowers um, that then store those feelings and experiences. Right. And the more and memory also toxic to some yes. degree. Right. Like they, this is something that over time, you know, without getting too much of like the plot beats, like the major area you spend time in the game, you you get to experience uh why this like massive creation of a physical manifestation of memories would cause cause a problem over time. Yeah, and so part of the thing that happens is that, you know, this is why people take Pate's vision so seriously is because memory and and identity are physically manifest in the world in some ways, right? This is why there is also a bunch of sicknesses, uh, like um, time misperception disorder uh, is uh, is a disease that some characters uh, are referenced as having. Uh, memory excess. Uh, one of the things that apparently the doctor did is find a way to take memories away from people when they are experiencing too much, which is like, in and of itself, a fascinating idea. Just like they just throw that out there, and we're like, "Okay, here you go, bye." No way Wait, to take advantage gonna... of no way to take advantage of somebody using that methodology. <laughs> nope, not even a little bit. Bye. Um, and so, all of this leads to you in, in investigating a world that is filled with memory, both in the more traditional senses, in terms of like objects, but also literal echoes of the past. Um, you know, mo- the last moments of, of some soldier's life are forever echoing in like one flower that you can find and like listen to that and be like, oh, shit. OK, that is that gives me some insight or, you know, opens a new mystery about what happened uh, to these people. It's a it's, it is both an interesting uh, sort of like aspect of this this world. And also got to just say very novel way to do like the voice memo. Like, hey, want to communicate like a little story that's not just people picking up a notebook or they happen to record something for 45 seconds. Like, it's it's great because it, it it's part of the world makes right. sense and also accomplishes this very basic task that lots of games have problems with, which is that we want to do world building, but we struggle to find ways to communicate it to the player in a way that feels natural. And here it's fantastical, but feels grounded in the world that is here in a way that never feels like particularly grounded in 
let's say like a dead space game that is like, oh, well, this these people are dying and they recorded 45 seconds of them being <laughs> mutilated and then conveniently left it here on, on this uh, gurney. Thanks. Yeah. And it's a world that that lends itself to this, right? That that multiple apocalypses have happened leads to you finding things that would otherwise feel uh, a little bit trite or, you know, undelivered letters, for example, uh, can often feel like a, a narrative shorthand or unearned. Uh, and then, you know, in season, it's like, oh, cool. This is literally the last remnants of a mail system that broke down. Of course, I'm going to find these like scattered around the place, right? And and so the game's like narrative does a lot to help uh, frame its actual like mechanics. Um, and also the most important mechanic for me, for little old Renata, is the journaling, which is just fucking tremendous. Oh, oh, I love to take a picture, uh, make a little sketch, put it in my journal, perfectly organize every page until it feels like it is Renata's exact shit. Oh, it's, um, it's so it's so funny because I do quite like this game, but uh <laughs> that is like yeah i i there are many things that we we have in common uh Ren, yes. that is not one of them and yes. like i was as soon as i started this game and i was like oh you gotta be fucking kidding me like this is a game where i'm gonna take photos and organize them in a journal I, okay all right all right and the thing i'll say about it um is what i like is it's not what i struggle with is and i i struggle this with this in umurangi uh, gen- generation which yeah. is Photography for the sake of photography, because you enjoy the act of taking photos, yeah. is not me. But what this game does exceptionally well is it ties it into the story in that if you find something that looks important, it probably will have a line of dialogue associated yes. with it when you take the picture. And so, and not only that, but it goes a step forward where I thought, well, I'll take the photos to get the little bits of of world and character building I'm not going to mess with the journal because I, I don't really care. But then what you realize uh, fairly quickly is that the game seems to anticipate this um, from, a, from a certain player of which that player is me. <laughs> and they know that, hey, I bet if we dangle a little bit of story, we could get them to engage with this a little bit. And they were right, which is that as you collect, there's like two versions where you'll come into an area and... The game gives you a very discreet task, which is uh, f- kind of like find out what happened here. And yeah. it gives you little hints at things to take a picture of, things to take um, a recording of. And that becomes part of a catalog that you can then access and place. And you feel like you solve a little puzzle. It fill- it literally fills in a meter. And I would – I might have to email the developers. I'm so curious about that meter. because I it's, hate that so, meter. I love the meter um, <laughs> because it allows me to say – I feel like I've taken enough. I'm good. So the meter fills, and so you know when you're you get, satisfied. You well, the, <laughs> the game the game is more or less saying, please explore the space. Do it enough that you would take, let's say, five or six pictures, a, a recording or two. Place these in the journal. Think about what you've seen, or be like Patrick and not really think about it and just kind of pace them down as the meter goes up. Uh, but then when you hit that that meter, uh, you get some insight into the world or commentary from, from your character. And I think it's just a really smart way of getting people to, even if I don't engage with the journal itself, it's getting me to engage with the world, both on through the minor puzzle element that is there that you don't have to do. This is not like a requirement to quote unquote progress in the game. It is there to force you to engage with the world more meaningfully. And, you know, 
yes, if Ren was given the option to turn off the meter as like an accessibility thing, I think I think they would have done it. Um, but for me, I appreciated it because it ran against my tendencies with this games, understood and sort of saw the type of player I am and got me to engage with its world on more meaningful terms. And for that, I really appreciated the level of detail that went into those various features. So, yes, I I feel you on all of us and I'm glad it is there. <laughs> I hate that fucking meter because here's my beef with the meter. Uh-huh. And this my, this is just Renata's tendency as a player, maybe that's the issue. The meter fills after you put like five or six things mm-hmm. in that journal. I'm going to send a picture of one of my journal pages. To you kind have, of you, I, this is going to be chaotic. We are twenty-two items fit into this journal. I'm um, give me one moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Here's the thing: you're going to look at it and be like, "Oh, that's chaotic." Then you're going to see it and you're going to be like, "Wow, Renata, that's not chaotic at all." I understand. I, I can see. I understand now. That sounds like me. Your yeah, mind. I, I, I feel like that's yeah. That's probably where we'll end up. That's not chaotic. Don't yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like. So this is the amount of stuff that I generally put in my journal and mm-hmm. the scale at which I put things in my journal. So for context, folks, there is probably in the journal I just sent, there is 10 photos and one recording on the left page and then three photos, two quotes, two recordings, a sketch uh, and uh, like a the ending sentence on the right page um, for this one area. Right. And so. The game gives you the you filled up the meter thing after you put five things in your journal. And then it does this big, long pan across your journal, which in my case, at five objects in, is mostly blank page. And so I just get this monologue about like the uh, the place that I'm in and the meaning that the character has found in it over just bone, bone dry pages, completely unmarked. That's funny. Um, and this is, this is my only beef with the meter. I think the meter is fine. I think the meter should be in there. I think the meter should go off after like 10 items, like eight, eight to 10. And then I genuinely think filled. I would have stopped, not engaged. I, 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 that's why I'm so curious to ask. I feel like how it is tuned is hyper specific to what is the tolerance of a player that otherwise might not spend. Like, there's two types of people, right? Like, I don't think there's a middle ground on this. There what is no meter, though. But then, how do you but, how do you trigger how do you trigger the story when you when you decide give give the the player a different option to just opt into being done with an area. One picture down and move on. I'm done. And maybe there's like a difference between how many things you have in your journal. You might get more or less things, maybe. But like, I don't know. When you're done, you're done. I guess. Like this, this is what I was uh, kind well, of whoa, gesturing whoa. towards. But if it's but if it's one, you're right? Kind of what 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 ends up happening is you are you are limiting. Like it's it's such a fine line because you are the, you are going to get players who. And, you know, let the players do whatever they want, I suppose. Yeah. But I again, like I appreciated the game saying, hey, like go a little further and specifically. So it's not here. Mm-hmm. Ren, do you have a screenshot of the ones that are like the little puzzle? Yeah. So there are there are two kinds of journal, uh, two right. kinds so of journal page. One is blank and it just has a quote and you're supposed to fill it. The other kind has spaces where you can put shit in there 
And I hate the ones you can push shit in there. I, I think they look like ass. They don't look like ass. They look fine. But they don't look like how Renata wants them to look. And I just want <laughs> to reorganize all of it. And I can't because they're sticky. They want to stick to the little boxes mm-hmm. that they're supposed to go in. And yes. it just, mm, I want to move them around. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's I, fine. This is a me thing. Well, this is, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the, um, the, like, like what I said, like what the thing I mentioned before when, uh, uh, Patrick brought up the bar in the first place was, uh, oh, so now, you know, when you're satisfied, uh, bringing up that like famous, uh, uh, what was yes. it a tweet or a comment that somebody no, made it's us a forum post a forum post yeah that somebody made about um what was it her story or something uh, one of Sam Barlow's games right it's like when will I know when I'm satisfied and I don't know I feel like everything else about what I've seen of this game makes me want it to be as free form as uh Ren is uh hinting at right like because it's it feels like it's so much about perception right and specifically the 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 like the way a record is kept also is also important to like how that record reads to the future yeah. right like so having the bar fill up by by a certain amount of items and having also like you were saying ones where it has slots where you're supposed to f- like color by numbers feels kind of off by what I've what else I've seen of this game and the kind of vibes it gives me so far. I mean, it's a compromise, right? That is that is the, sure. that is the purpose. Like it is, it is a it is a compromise. I am sure some people on the development team did not want to make it, and others did. Like mm. they, that is that is one hundred percent what what is going on here. And there's also like you know plot relevant information that you want to make sure that people get. I, I understand the utility mm-hmm. of of the pages. They they need in my mind they need a little bit of tweaking and then we're good. The minute <laughs> I fill that page, I want it to disable the snap to grid. That's all. That's literally that's all I want. Just disable all that shit once I fill in the blanks and we're good. Right. Um, but I think that the one thing I'll say is that I do think that the the journal is the game's, like, is the primary verb, right? Like, the photography is not, to me, the primary verb of season. It is the act of putting things in your journal and deciding what to keep and what you don't include, right? And what you don't have room to include. Because, like, all right, this is where I, this is where I, this is where my play count uh, sins come, come to fruition. Uh, Patrick, I... I assume that you are now in the Tiang Valley area. I assume you are in the you are in the valley. Yeah, here I'll give you um, perfect. So I've played four and a half hours. I have unlocked eleven of sixteen achievements. I think I have like two main areas like to color in. So I feel like I'm like two thirds through the game. I feel like I I've I've gotten through a lot of the game, and I I would estimate I would finish it. Between six and seven hours would be my thought. Six, six and seven. Great. I put 18 hours into season (laughs) because I I am pouring over literally everything. I am taking photos of every pretty fucking thing I see. Because like for me, part of the joy and like why season is so cool is that its area design is tremendous. And more than that, its area design changes over time. And so like throughout the course of the day in the Tiang Valley, time does move. Uh, And... 
there will be like, oh shit, the texture of light in this particular area at this particular time of day is noticeably different than it was earlier in a way that like I feel like is worth cataloging, right? Like how do I how do I show this place? And like, you know, I saw a uh, another write-up of the game that was like, oh yeah, 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 this the the game wants you to try and convey the truth of this place, which I don't think is true. And I I I think that at one point a character says that they're trying to do that. Um, that is not accurate. The game for me, the thesis is you can't fit everything. You cannot fit everything, and instead, whatever you have, whatever the journal that you produce, is an exercise in incomplete translation, and in being so, will produce something new. Something that's like valuable and meaningful, but like you can never capture the Tiang Valley. You are not from it. You only have one day in it. And like that is the core theme of the game for me and why I love the journal. And also the fact that like I could not fit even half of what I wanted to fit in here. If they gave me two page spreads for every single area, maybe I could fit uh, all of what I wanted. Maybe. But they do not. They give you one spread for every area. And so I just have dozens, hundreds of photos that are that go completely unused in my journal. Well, and it's it's not just the journaling aspect of it that speaks to the game's sort of broader thesis and themes. Without getting into the the specific beat, there is a moment with a character that you get to go on sort of a bike tour. Yes. Um and these two characters, your character and this character, uh, have some overlap in terms of their history. And they tell you a little bit about this moment. Um, and there's a instance in which the game gives you a choice, which is, do you, I mean, the character's talking to themselves, but like, do you want to share this intimate story about yourself and your past in the book, essentially. Like, do you want yes. to record it? Do you want it to be part of this thing you're producing? And you can choose yes. I did choose it because I I felt like this character wasn't producing an, a uh, like a personal document. This was, this was a personal document. Like this yes. was they are part of the, the truth of what they are seeing is part of like their own truth, yada, yada. That's kind of how I saw the character. I could definitely see somebody. That's why I sort of see uh, – you, the, the the writer that you were talking about that saw the game as documenting truth. I think you can play this character that way. I think you can play this character as a book. This character as a book nerd that is just I want to document these different locations and what they represent and what I saw in a way that is more encyclopedic than it is necessarily uh, personal. Um, and that's a sp- certain moment where if you were playing to those two different character types, you can kind of you can kind of tip one way or the other in terms of your role playing. Yes, I think that is true. I the the thing that I'll note is that that piece was specifically referring to uh, a, a different thing. Uh, like that th- that is not what they meant. Uh, they were talking specifically like not like containing information. They were saying that because you were an outsider to that place, it's impossible for you to write about it mm. Uh, mm. or to produce any meaning about it, uh, which is a different thing altogether. But yes, uh, that is that is the thing is that like part of what I love about season is that. I, I think it's worth talking about the beginning of the game because I think it is I think is a really brilliant opening 20 minutes or 10 minutes or however long it lasts. Um, and <laughs> I can easily see Ren having spent an hour doing how long did you how, describe the opening and then tell me how long <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll, we'll close on this before we, we move on to the next. But <laughs> I think the opening, as you said, is worth unpacking because it's a really novel way of setting up yeah. how are you going to define this character before you go on your adventure it is it's, a, it's a character creator in and of itself even if 
the avatar you're inhabiting is designed uh, yeah. by by an artist and a team. It's it's also brutal. I think it is just a, a brutal introduction to the video game. Uh, so your character Estelle wakes up uh, the, for the last day that she will be in her hometown of Cairo uh, and then goes out to see her mother who is making a memory pendant. Uh, memory pendants are things that protect people from quote unquote diseases of the mind. Uh, and it is what protects Estelle from those crystals we were talking about earlier, Harpic. Uh, it is what prevents her from suffering the kind of psychological effects that prolonged exposure uh, to Harpic can cause a person, right? And to make a memory pendant, you have to give up memories that are related to the person whose pendant it is. Uh, you have to sacrifice those memories, and in doing so, kind of coalesce them into a form that is like touchable and therefore can can protect you but you lose those memories uh and so the beginning of the game is your mother offering to lose memories in your stead uh because your job is to remember things and so what you do is you pick up objects throughout your um character's home that are associated strongly with with your memories uh with with memories for your character uh, and also memories your mother has about your character, uh, in addition to things that she believes about herself. So, you know, you might pick up a piece of origami uh, that your friend made, and uh, Estelle will say, my mother used to say that I would uh, always shepherd delicate things into the future. Uh, and that will be like, you know, the thing that that object expresses, for example. Uh, and then eventually you go through and you pick a handful of these objects, uh, and your mother burns them. And in doing so, completely obliterates the specific memory she had of your character and her childhood. Uh, and you go through five of these Ugh. before the game begins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kato. It's it's really good. It's, it's you mean. You didn't answer the second part of my question. Oh, what is the second part of your question? I'm sorry. How long did you spend in this sequence? Probably half an hour, probably 45 okay. minutes. I looked at a lot of objects. Uh, I looked at every object at least once. Yeah, Yeah, I I picked up every object at least once. But by the time I'd gone through every object, it took me about like 10 minutes to walk through the whole apartment and pick up every object. I was like, mostly knew what I was going to do. I was was mostly sure. And then the problems came. Because (laughs) the first time your mother loses a memory, she goes, oh. And you're like, are you good? Did that hurt? And she was like... I'm fine. And then she later explains the feeling, which is the feeling of losing a memory, which is to feel the absence, to to lose the memories, to first notice its absence. She can no longer recall it. And then to feel the absence be filled in by the rest of her mind, such that she forgets that she lost anything in the first place. And so it is this like multi-stage grief every single time she does one of these. And so there was one object I was like, oh, I think this would be a really good fit for how I want to play this character and how I am interested in, in approaching this world. And I pick it up and I hand it to Estelle's mom and she looks at it and she's like, she recalls the memory and she's like, I don't think I can bear to lose this. I, I do not think I am capable of losing this. I will do it if you ask me to, but I cannot bear to lose this memory. And I sat on a fucking choice of whether or not to be like, please, uh, or on, Mom, to find something else. Get out of the way. You're going to lose those memories anyway. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, <laughs> I stared at it for a minute and I was like, I will find something else. And then it took me like five minutes to figure out what the fuck else I was putting in there because I was set on that shit. And I was like, damn, I need that dead dad memory. Oh, fuck. Well, yikes. Looks like it's going to have to be something else. And like that moment is just terrific. I think it's a really, really excellent opening that is also just like heartbreaking uh, and, and does a really good job of setting up the tone for the game going forward. I think I think this is just further confirming my theory that there's some there's some shit going on in that village <laughs> that I don't that I don't trust. Everyone just willingly giving over their memories, thinking it's part of a saving them. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh but yeah, that is that is season. It is out now. Uh uh where is that out on? We played it on PC. Yeah. Um PC and uh PS5 currently right, i remember it being part of a sony thing when that was yes first really revealed yes, i believe yes 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 excited um play it don't have time for this but i will admit that i don't like games that put on force letterboxing i think it's goofy this game has giant black bars and <laughs> i don't know why they're there um cinematic then make a movie is <laughs> <laughs> felt that felt that way when i played evil within Although that game seemed like it did it because the performance issues. What kind of camera are you using? Then again, this game also has a lot of performance issues. And so maybe the black bars exist to uh, help. To help. I'm on a a pretty beefy machine, you know, all told. And struggles to render the the pre-apocalypse. And I flipped on DLSS, which gives you no options. It's just like, do you want to turn on DLSS? It's like, that's not how that works. Usually you get an option over quality and performance like no turn it on it was a little bit better and so i worry how this game is going to perform it's fine like even it has it strikes me as a lot of um oh uh what's the game from a couple of uh, from like two years ago where you go out and explore you're a teenager it's in like a sci-fi wasteland desert area you're oh sable a teen sable yeah sable that game also also a complete technical mess like the frame rate when that game came yeah. out was really bad. It's not quite that here, mm. but no going into it that it it has some issues. Your bike also might get stuck. If your bike gets stuck, if you get stuck on a piece of geometry, just quit out and go back in and it will checkpoint you yeah. in the middle of the road because I was pretty sure I was like, oh, I think I'm done playing this game. I'm also going to die in this valley and <laughs> thankfully quitting out respawned me in a, in a new spot. Yeah, I also want to just uh, note here that uh, I had other people tell me that they didn't have performance issues, and that is by it was unfathomable to me. That is unfat game ran like shit for me the entire. Like, are they all running? Are they all with the Rob Zachney just no. running four 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 hundred level? No, uh, <laughs> four thousand level uh, graphics cards. No, it's Natalie Flores who like does not have a beefy rig. I I have I have no no fucking clue what how resi- other people. What resolution to is your uh, monitor? Huh? 1440. Yeah, same. Maybe maybe she's got a shitty monitor because the computer's not very good. <laughs> and it's like a 1080. Uh, wow. Right, we don't need to. I just mean. Like, let's leave Natalie alone. What the fuck? Ren, Ren said that it was a bad computer. 
My computer? No. I think Ren was just speaking Natalie. to the was, fact that... No, I was not saying... I, whoa, 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 whoa. I never said that Natalie had a bad computer. What the fuck, Natalie, Kato? your computer is fine. <laughs> um, I never said those on. words. What the hell? We were just suggesting that games, op- especially on PC, because there's so many independent running configurations that games can run strangely. <laughs> also, she might have code for PS5. I don't know. I was oh, okay. just I was just saying that I was surprised that, that Patrick also had these issues. Because I, I feel like you I were had implying issues something and else, and I no, didn't know. I was not. <laughs> wow, but yeah, game doesn't always run good. I think it's really special. I will, I will reinforce the thing that I said in a tweet, which is that this is the most I've liked a game since Disco Elysium. Like I, it hit for me in a way that is just like staggering, uh, and so I recommend it wholeheartedly. In spite, in with the note of the the studio, um, you know the. Yes, the tangential relation that dude had to the project at first before being assigned to it after failing it after his other game failed. Um, after yeah, we failed, we like you know, game can be special, and we can also hope that the um, the studio itself is a is a better place to work. Um, yeah. And and however that got resolved or not resolved, uh, a lot of people spent a lot of time making a thing that yeah. we both think is. Is pretty cool and is worth is worth checking out. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely put that on your radar. If uh, other narrative bangers that we have talked about in the past, if you've liked a Citizen Sleeper and a Norco, you know, just just go buy it. Like you're not going to be like it's it's in that lineage. What if you liked of, Umarangi Generation? If you liked Umarangi Generation, yeah, yeah you're going to love this. Yes. Yeah, what, but I feel like that is also I, I know that was that was the yeah. the. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if Umaragi Generation is a punk show in a DIY space, what is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, this is actually a comparison I almost made in a write-up. Was <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if Umaragi Generation is is a, is a punk version, then this is the like coffee shop version of Umaragi Generation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excited. You want if you want a lavender oat version of Umaragi <laughs> yes. Generation, then let me recommend to you Caesar the letter to the, 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 the triple shot red eye or whatever. Like. Yeah, exactly. Umaragi Generation <laughs> is, that t- is, is, is the times that I go to the cafe near my house and I order a beer and two shots of espresso <laughs> and I drink them simultaneously. Yes, exactly. Uh, also, if you're bad at taking, like, you have no sense of framing or com- of composition. And that is why you frequently avoid taking pictures in games because you just don't have the eye for it. One thing I will, the last note I'll make about this, like season, the, its architecture, its yes. design, and also just the subtle way that it influences how you frame a shot. It doesn't always necessarily take exactly, there's a there's a little bit of work that it's doing, you know, if you're zoomed in or zoomed out. I just always found if I was like, oh, this looks neat. Uh, and, I, and I was taking it, even if it was largely to get the story bit. The game ended up producing very pretty images over and over again in a way that I never felt in Umaranga Generation, which is a game <laughs> a specific. You got to have a sense of it, like you, like that is a photographer ass game yeah. that you like. And and I didn't, I didn't, I don't have that. And yeah. so I played that game for other reasons, but I never. I always like, yeah, well, that shot sucks again. Glad I got the money. Time <laughs> oh, to move on. I'm sure good. Um, yeah, I'll okay, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> He's yeah. I don't. How can I tell you? Are you gonna drag someone's drag? You're just being nice because you made fun of someone's PC and. Um, and get out of your villain era, Kato. The rest yeah. of us are trying to be. Yeah, this shot is this shot is beautiful, and there's nothing special about the framing. It's just the world right. is 
incredible looking. Yes. And like the, act, the design of the environment itself is doing the framing for you. <laughs> it's just you choosing to stop and snap it. Yeah. And there's like moments where you can huh. be really particular about it. And I and I was super sure. t- particular about it. A lot of yeah. times I took a lot of photos that were very much Renata is taking a photo here. Mm-hmm. But the architecture of the game is just all but designed to give you these moments, right. uh, which is why I think that the area design is like f- some of the most impressive shit that I've seen in what feels like years. Um, just absolute God tier. Uh, elsewhere, um, you can go to twitch.tv slash waypoint. There'll be eventually an archive at youtube.com slash waypoint vice of uh, Ren, this this entire crew, this, this side of the podcast, yeah. uh, talking over <laughs> the Xbox developer direct uh, and also... Run getting increasingly frustrated at Kato's Dwarf oh, Fortress management style. That is so much here nor there. Myself. We will not litigate that on this <laughs> I podcast. But you so can watch much it. about myself on that stream. So you can, much. You can learn a lot about Ren and Kato on that stream. Um, and you, you can watch the two of them playing that. Uh, just uh, some highlights from that uh, that direct. If you don't end up watching the stream, uh, uh, they uh, showed some new gameplay for a PvP mode in Minecraft Legends, which is sort of a uh, strategy MOBA style uh, uh, strategy game that they're they're doing uh, spinning off Minecraft. Um, they showed some pretty incredible looking footage of Forza Motorsport that I feel like we'll just have to revisit on Monday. I, yeah. F- just like not the crew to talk about Forza <laughs> Motorsport. Rob, feel bad. Yeah. Um, so I, it did look really, really good in the way that uh, in the past racing games used to be the benchmark for new hardware and this Forza Motorsport like was giving me some of those those vibes, uh, but we'll have to defer to to Rob on uh, on Monday to uh, weigh in. Um, they uh, announced a new expansion for Elder Scrolls Online, uh, Necrom. Uh, they uh, showed off a bunch of footage or ten minutes, I guess, from uh, Redfall, the upcoming. I still don't quite know what to call this game because first it was like Arcane doing Left for Dead, and then I'm hearing comparisons to 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 Far Cry. I think where we all kind of came down on the footage was that it looked potentially interesting, but I feel they still don't really know how to show this game and the presentation at even this developer direct. I was doing more trying to convince myself why I might be interested less so that the, what the footage being shown was showing me why I'm going to be interested. Is that, did you feel similarly Kato? I just feel like they didn't, they, they like tried to um uh distance themselves from the comparison to Left 4 Dead like uh through some messages I forget exactly where they they had posted about that where it's like we're not a Left 4 Dead like um but something about the 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 visual the way that they show it it always ends up falling really easily into the imagination as one of those because of the way they show it which is only mostly because they always show it multiplayer even though technically you can play it solo and they tend to show off the way that like you cooperate with like these abilities that seem to be kind of like not multiplayer focused I mean, but you see how they work in multiplayer and like maybe less how they're exciting as a solo player at, at times i don't know that's the sense i got but like, you you don't see hordes right it is much fewer mm-hmm. enemies and more focused on enemies doing specific things than like the for dead style hordes of zombies and the director and all that shit you know like there's nothing like that in here so and it's also an open world game right so 
it's it's borderline. I've, I feel like I've been losing my mind with the with the Left 4 Dead comparisons because I just don't see it at all. I don't even see a little bit of Left 4 Dead in it, other than like a mostly modern setting with like the you know s- zombies slash vampires. Uh, because yeah. visually, like gameplay wise, it just looks like Borderlands. Like and not like actually no, I'll I'll stand by that. There are moments where mm. it just straight up is doing that specific style of abilities. The guns from the videos that they have released do not look particularly punchy, I would say. They are not like... It looks a little bit spongy at times in this in the way that I deeply associate with Borderlands. And so I'm just... I am really interested to see how this feels when it actually comes out. Um, and to see like if they manage to strike a balance between it being a game about loot uh, and it being a game that like is actually enjoyable to progress in via other means uh, and like with a group of people. Yeah, like there, Kato, to speak to the the point you were making, there was an instance in which uh, a, a group of players were like kind of like at the edge of a cliff, and there were some enemies on the other side, and they said, "Oh yeah," and this one character they can uh, send their I think it was a crow or a raven, and like you kind of shoot that out, and it's going to highlight the enemy, so you know it's what's in front of you. And then this other character is going to throw out this kind of look like a mine, but it's a teleportation device, and then that's how we're all going to get there. And all I could think about trying to figure out, am I ever going to engage with this game as like, I would have loved like, Hey, they show that. And then it's like, now let's rewind and show you what happens if you're here by yourself. Alone. Like how, how are else those, does this encounter go? I feel like they haven't mentioned, are those abilities mix and match or are those specific to character, the character specific? Right. This is what They're I'm saying. Character specific. Character this, is specific specific this is why it's Borderlands. It feels like it's, it's, it's meant it's designed for multiplayer, but you can go in there solo. It'll work. It's like, will it though? I don't know. Will right, it? but they've also said that it's got a a full fledged campaign yeah. and story. And I know lots of people that like Borderlands. I played most of the first one. Yeah. Like, it's totally. Yeah, it's more fun with friends, right? Yes. Like, but totally fine, enjoyable, like yeah. shooter on its own by yourself. And I think that's the thing. I just haven't quite. I think that's where like the Left for Dead, the far like all these like is like this is like that Mm -hmm. is because nothing about the presentation of this game yet feels like it's really conveying what am i doing it has an open world what does that mean i don't know like is it is you know when you know ren you were pointing out in the the stream is like in the footage we're watching if you're going to invoke sort of a far cry open world comparison, what you were saying there is there are systems that are going to interact while you're going through that space in unexpected ways on a very basic level. Like nothing in the footage is showing that doesn't mean yeah. it's not there. Now, is it hard to show a grenade rolls down a hill and like causes a problem in the classic idle thumbs far cry example? Yeah, that's hard to show off, but boy, I would love it if there was more footage kind of showing and if that game isn't that, it's fine. It like doesn't have mm. like this game can be totally successful. It can be a back for bloodish, like but more ambitious, bigger type of that game, and that can be just fine. I'm just sort of struggling with figuring out. I love everything Arcane makes. Have they finally made a game that's not for me? Then just tell me that instead of constantly dangling things like campaign, open world that suggests to me it's more fun with friends but you'll be just fine on your own. And there's just nothing to suggest to me so far that that is true. The, the thing that really got me from the, from the 10 minute gameplay demo was there's, there's a, there's a long or like a longer than you expect segment of a person walking slowly through a house. Right. Uh, and then 
they get attacked by a monster, uh, they get attacked by a vampire, and they run out. And the thing that really gets me about that sequence is that, like, I cannot imagine that ever happening in gameplay. I cannot imagine the way that person moved through that space, the reason... We don't know why they're moving through that space, any of it. It's just like, what if a person walked through a house and got attacked by a monster and completely devoid of context? And also, the way it played out, it looked like it was devoid of context, right? Like, it, Also, imagine with four people. Yeah, none, of that's, none of that's set up, which is like going through a dark, spooky house, reading the wall stuff, coming across, uh, you know, a little kind of like design setup, and then an enemy turns around and gets you. Okay, but well, how many times comes with- how many times while we've been okay. Uh, uh how many times while we were playing uh, uh Back for Blood though did one person wander off and be like, "Oh shit, there's some things over here." And then get instantly got by a fucking enemy on but their the, own. But the character did not get instantly got. That's the thing yeah, yeah, is yeah. in that sequence, that person like took the hit and then shrugged off like three more. And it this is also kind of where my Borderlands comparison comes from is that like I think Borderlands plays just fine, but like both enemies and the player can take a fucking beating. Like they, they are they are a little bit spongy. And like I think it's really hard to do the kind of horror aesthetic that Redfall is aiming for while also having things feel that spongy. I don't know how you pull that off particularly like elegantly. Maybe that's just a me problem, but that 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 is the worry I immediately have when looking at it. Yeah. And just like cooperative stuff in general plays against stealth. Like there was a sequence where they there's sort of kind of a, a neat you know, with some of the character abilities, which sound kind of neat, where you're kind of you've got a pistol out, so you're not using any sort of like magical abilities. Uh, you're sneaking down. There are some vampires or whatever enemies down there, uh, and they throw out this robot that does this fun little distraction like <laughs> laser. Uh, I can't imagine when you play with four people who are running around and doing random shit that may or may not be loosely connected to what the group is trying to accomplish. Like that sequence isn't going to happen. Uh, and so I just, I'm still just trying to figure out what Redfall is, and I don't think this presentation, other than just me having blind faith that I tend to trust Arcane will make something good and interesting, I, I feel like I'm still, despite this game getting a release date that's in May, wouldn't be surprised if it had some sort of beta at some point. But again, that beta is probably going to be something like, hey, why don't you run like raid equivalents or dungeon equivalents with a group of friends? So... Maybe we'll just have to wait until, I think, was it May 2nd when uh, Redfall uh, is coming out to get a better sense of it. But I think, we, I think we're all on the same page that we're still just not, not quite sure what that game is. And yeah. hopefully they find a way to, to better communicate that between now and then. Uh, what you don't have to wait for is Hi-Fi Rush. New game from Tango Gameworks that came out. It was a, a shadow drop uh, on the same day of the presentation. Uh, Tango Gameworks, the developers of The Evil Within 1 and 2, and last year's uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Hi-Fi Rush comes from the uh, creative director of Evil Within 2, a tremendous, tremendous survival horror game, like just really, really, really good. I, I, we have, I, I at least have sung the praises of Evil Within 2 many times uh, <laughs> on the show, and I, I cannot uh, recommend it uh, more highly. And so I thought for a while that this director would, there were a lot of ideas that you could build on in Evil Within 2, but also that game... Didn't didn't sell very well, so I'm not shocked that Evil Within Three was not immediately on the cards. But high, like it's funny because the, the two things that ex, that exist within me that are vibrating constantly are 
spooky and then rhythm. <laughs> um, and the notion that the, the, the creative director of the Evil Within 2 is not making Evil Within 3, but then said, you know what? I'm just going to swing to the other pendulum that lives within Patrick's heart, which is <laughs> a rhythm game. Pendulum. The Patrick, the Patrick pendulum. <laughs> yeah. So it goes between these, it goes between these two. And yeah. So Hi-Fi Rush is just, I don't know exactly how to describe the aesthetic. It, it looks like a, like kind of a Saturday morning cartoon or an anime in real time. It's, yeah. it's the level of detail in it and the fluidity and what it looks like in action is really just something that has to be seen to be believed. And then when you play it yourself, it is even more impressive uh, watching it play out in real time. But uh, there was, uh Ren or sorry, go ahead, Kata. I was going to say, I, I started, I started that game just to check it out like for a little bit last night. And there was a, there's a moment in the opening minutes where it swaps from, uh, 3D animation to 2D animation. It took me like a mm-hmm. full 30 seconds to be like, "Oh wait, we changed." I didn't even realize. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you could just. And the only reason I noticed was like I saw, I don't know, like some aliasing around character models. Right. Like some of the background stuff still looked as though sometimes the frame rate, hand- the frame rate changes just a, a yeah. tiny bit. You're like, yeah. "Oh, okay, we're back in 3D land." <laughs> or like it's, it's very really, subtle, but like it's really well done. Otherwise, uh, Ryan, I feel like on the stream you were. Com- comparing some of the style to was it like the new trigun or something yes, like the that? new try there are a couple of shows that that pull this off uh there's compositing has gotten really good but i'll here i'll send mm. the clip that i was thinking of this is what it made me think of was a was a clip i've just sent to everyone which is also just a sick as hell clip if you're looking for the clip just search just one bullet trigun stampede because it is sick as hell it is just some truly smooth animation oh yeah this really yeah this really does is this a style like what would we yeah call this? Not- it's like it's 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 3d it's like it's become more popular recently in in anime as well is like where you're using actual 3d models but the shaders make them look more like traditional 2d animation at times well this is what the, the, the i feel like the, the guilty gear games right were pioneering this right yeah. and they, yes. they sort of made them made a move to hey this looks like incredible 2d but actually we're n- manipulating 3D models. Yes. So I feel like that's the one of the first instances I had with that. And I feel like sometimes when I saw it in anime that was playing around with it, it was pretty crude. But like where we are now and like with this clip that Ren is sharing or with this game, it's really remarkable what they're accomplishing Com- with, with this tech. Compositing has gotten really good. People yeah. have gotten extremely good at compositing and also have learned to play to the strengths of the actual different animation medium. This is just a Renata's animation corner. But like the thing that was happening previously is that a lot of people were just framing scenes with 3D objects exactly the same way they do with 2D objects. And like the benefit of having a 3D object is that you can move the cam, you can have dynamic camera movements and move shit all the fuck around. And like it's rare that it looked really good uh, if it when it was you know you're combining the two styles, 3D on its own could look okay if you put enough money and time into it, uh, and we're treating it as its own thing. But like the the combination has gotten a lot better. Uh, the Chainsaw Man, uh, current Chainsaw Man anime, I believe uses a mix of yeah. 2D and 3D animation, and also uh, in that mix uh, is included rotoscoping of 3D animation. So basically, creating a 3D animation of a fight, which you then rotoscope. Uh, which your animators yeah. then rotoscope, <laughs> which is it's sick as hell. It looks it looks so fucking good. Ugh. I need to wa- I need to watch that. We got derailed on that for understandable reasons, but I I've been meaning to 
to get back and actually watch that show. I need to, I need to do that. Uh, so yeah, so Hi-Fi Rush, uh, yes, looks incredible. And then also is a rhythm action game. I feel like the best way to describe it was like if you were to put rhythm gameplay on top of a Devil May Cry. Um, mm, this mm-hmm. is like a, the, the PlayStation 2 lives again in Hi-Fi Rush. There's so much about this game that feels like it is coming from sort of PlayStation 2 era character action games. It has that sensibility. Uh, this is a world in which you're <laughs> long and short of kind of the intro. It was like you, I don't know, kind of sell your body to a corporation and an iPod gets stuck in your heart. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's how, that's how this all kicks off. And then a bunch of other stuff happens, but that is the technical explanation for why suddenly not just your heart, but the world is beating alongside of you. Like the world works in rhythm with this doon, 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 doon. Um, your character is snapping along to the beat. Like when you go idle, like your character, it says snap in the way that sort of a comic book does, but that is also a visual cue. Like there are visual cues all around you. Like the way pistons are moving in and out, the way platforms are going in and out, the way your character is snapping, the way that uh, enemies are moving is all to the beat. Your character and the enemies that you are fighting all are using the same beat. They are, they have the same rhythm logic that you do. And so the easiest way to sort of explain what's happening is it's not to the beat of a music specifically. So you're not being, things aren't changing around because of what's playing in the background. That's sort of agnostic. And part of that is because they also have built in streamer modes so that if you like when it randomly a nine inch Nails song just comes on <laughs> during the first boss fight, which is sick. Yeah. I, I, I the, the music selection here is great, but the original stuff is really good too. And that it like the, the the rhythm that's happening is all sort of like do 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 and so the way your attack like a basic attack is like x x x x x and like that will do a light attack and at the end of that you kind of get this circle that comes in and you kind of hit this kind of quick time event equivalent and that does like this super powered uh, attack and then uh what's really interesting is the heavy attacks so the heavy attacks are are uh, a pause right so like how it's accounting for the kind of like animation lag is like hit Y. It's like, so if it's X, 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 instead here, it's Y, Y. And you have to literally, you can watch the character animation. There are tells in the character and the animation to remind you of where you are in the rhythm. The game is also super smart in that it understands you, the visual cues, your internalized sense of the rhythm might not be enough. Well, you just hit, Whatever that double window key, you know, button is on the Xbox controller, <laughs> the equivalent of a select. Yeah. And at the bottom, you sort of get like a metronome. You get to see visualized the rhythm of the world. And so in combat, in not in all, like you should be paying attention to what you're doing, but you could kind of just fumble way your, your way through by just looking at that do, 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 and then timing your button presses alongside that. And a lot of the combat would sort of take care of itself. It's not a game where you die a lot. It's more about like how cool and how flashy do you look in that combat. Uh, I kind of, you said you'd only played a little bit of it, right? Yeah. Uh, well, part of the reason I stopped playing it is that unfortunately I don't have an Xbox. What is it? X or S both of those. Either, right. of, either you of have those? an Xbox uh, one. one X, right? We gave you one of like, that's just a one. Gave us one of those. Oh, one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it's a Gears of War 
four or five, whatever, Brandon mm-hmm. Box. So it's it's the last it's last yeah. gen, technically. Um and so I went to go look for it. And I was like, oh right, I have the old one. I forgot about that. But it allowed uh cloud gaming. And I was like, well, let's see. And <laughs> um uh I was momentarily like heartened when I went through the settings and I was like, oh good, there's like a uh calibrate your your latency like right. thing in the thing in but it doesn't actually calibrate it it's it's not a calibration it's a check how bad your latency is and then it'll tell you your latency is too bad don't do this um which i <laughs> wish that's the the one Damn, cool advice bro this. it's like uh i wish they had so it, it doesn't like so a lot a lot of rhythm games will yeah. let you modify like the input latency yes. based on if you're playing with a wired controller, wireless controller, based on how your speakers are set up. So like most rhythm games you'll play, uh, you'll see have a right before you even start playing the game is like, hey, tap to this beat. Yes. And then we're going to figure out through your setup what's what's missing. Yeah, and that's so that why I went is, looking for that, huh. knowing that I'm OK, I'm playing through the, the their cloud streaming, which looks good and feels generally mm-hmm. not not super uh, laggy. But when it's something that has to be precise, like those milliseconds add up. And so going into the settings, I was hoping like, okay, let's see what what sort of levers I can pull on to see if I can make this work, even though I'm streaming. And there were unfortunately none. Like if you're if you don't have if you can't play this natively, like if you have if cloud streaming is the only option for you for some reason, it's just not gonna work are you and i'm like I'm, are you a game are you a, pay, a game pass sub is that yes, where you're yes well then download it on pc i'm gonna on this PC. is what i did afterwards i just like oh okay <laughs> i just wanted to try it out on my on my whole uh, yeah, on my yeah, big yeah. no i i get 4K. it i get it it's, uh, yeah. it's beautiful but um i i like got through the i'm not first... sure the tech will ever be there no, for unfortunately games like or it, it would it would have um, to be on the developers to just include enough like okay, we're gonna delay the sound by this much, and like, right. and it might be, it might end up being too difficult to to actually do, but because I don't understand like what sort of resources that that sort of uh, stuff will take up. But essentially, I like went in there and I got through the first like the first like tutorial fight or whatever, and it was like C, and I'm like, I feel like I should not be getting a C on this. It feels no. super simple. No. <laughs> I should be hitting A's. Yeah. What is going on? And it's just yes. like, oh yeah, that. That little bar that I moved in the settings wasn't actually changing anything. It was just telling me that the latency was bad. Um, yeah, and, so. and this is this this is a game where you want you want it to feel yeah good. And I and and the reason I'd asked how long you'd played was because even when you get around to playing it natively on a PC or, or whatever, yeah. I will I implore people to try. If you find this game interesting, the first tutorial level, like. They delay so many interesting mechanics over the first two levels of the game. Mm. Um, it's going to take you about 45 minutes to get through the first area. It took me about an hour to get through the second. Uh, this game starts out with very basic, like, you know, X and Y combos. Yeah, and right. then you have a dash. And the dash can also be comboed together up to to three dashes in order to, I think it'll, like, influence how much of the, the, the hit, um, how much power it lands on, on the first shot. Um, but then... Over the course of playing these levels, you also get access to a companion. You'll get uh, you also get access to a hook shot, oh. um, and you can use all of those in combat. Um, where you can 
you can be dashing around a stage, jumping up in the air, using a hook shot to like connect yourself to a sniper, then uh, hitting a right trigger to bring in like a companion that has a gun that is going to continue juggling an enemy that you threw into the air. And you're doing all of these things that you're normally doing in a Devil May Cry style game. It has the same slickness feel of a really good combo-based character action game. And then sick beats <laughs> on top of it. Like, it feels so fucking good to do it alongside the rhythm yeah. of the game. Like, that is just an extra layer of not just mechanical satisfaction, but there is an oral satisfaction. Like, it is just humming at, like, so many different, like, delicious frequencies. And it's just so, like, it's just, I am having a blast with this game. Like, this game, for it to come out of nowhere and already be like, well... Congrats to number three game of the year for Patrick <laughs> Klupik. Hi-Fi Rush. Didn't know number it was three. coming. coming. Came out of nowhere. Congrats to Marvel's Midnight Suns for presenting the, or the presenting an award. 2022 is Marvel's Midnight Suns presenting the 2023 Hi-Fi Rush uh, award. Uh, it's just, it's really, really good. And I, I cannot recommend it more highly. Yeah. And for a game like this to come completely out of nowhere... And to just be pushing every single one of my buttons is, it's just awesome. Like, it's just really exciting. And this comes right out hot on the heels of us being like, what does Xbox mean to anyone? Do they make games? Uh, they do. And it turns I think out. they still have a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, uh, but moments like this, you know, go a long way towards, oh, like if this is more of what this company was doing, like something like this produces more of a broader identity of what do I expect from Microsoft, right? A pe- like, you know, look at Pentiment, like Pentiment and then this game. Yeah. That is a spectrum yeah. of games you are producing. And yeah. that is coming from acquisitions, right? That is coming from Obsidian. That is coming from Tango. But, and, and Tango is technically an, an acquisition made by Zenimax. And then that was acquired by Microsoft. So there are a pyramids of acquisitions here. But, you know... That suggests a future for, whereas like Sony presents like a very specific, big budget, cinematic, you know, serious storytelling. You know, Xbox doesn't have to pigeonhole in that degree, but it has to find an identity in some way. And if that tent is a little bit broader, that's fine. Um, But having a game like Pentiment and and this game come out so closely to one another um, and both feel as though games that don't really exist anymore, right? Like, this game would otherwise... This is level-based. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You'd feel like this is a game that would be, like, in a big open world. Open world. I, I kind of, of assumed that they would open up to an open world after the tutorial or something. You could see how they could do right. it, right? Like, I wouldn't be against it if they got, a like, a bigger budget for a sequel Especially or whatever. Especially because there was a like, lot of people what it's do- who, like, just by tone were... Uh, referring to Sunset Overdrive, and I think that kind of assumption checks kind right. of follow through. Like, so it must be open world. Then it's like, no, <laughs> it's level based. No, <laughs> no. But then also, when you open worlds require like it's a it's a different level of creation, yeah. the density yeah. in those worlds, and so many of those worlds end up not being interesting because of that. And here it's like, nah, we have just richly be- rich, beautiful, like specifically designed levels. E- uh, each of the the combat encounters are called a chorus. And so at the end, like it grades you on the individual courses, the boss battle. It's just, <laughs> it's just really smartly designed yeah. from top to bottom and looks, even if you don't like playing the game, if you have Game Pass, download it because yeah. 
just running through the opening tutorial, you're going to be blown away by how it looks. Um, I, I uh, regret to inform that I have not inquire, uh, uh, encountered the Zwan song yet. Um, that will be... <laughs> I will reveal that I have already set in motion talking to the creative director in this game. And I assure you, <laughs> the first question I'm going to ask is Zwan? Zwan? Uh, Zwan? Uh, uh, that super group? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I uh, yeah, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, really really good. Kato, go download it on yeah. I did. I did. It's on my PC. I just have I, excellent. I I topped off and went to back to um, a space for the Unbound, which we'll talk about on Monday. But yes, I, I am. I have heard nothing but excellent things. Oh wow! Just got this tweet. Huh. Uh, breaking news from Jlando22. Hey Patrick, mm. maybe. Hi-Fi Rush put Zwan in because it coincides with its 20th anniversary. Damn, that's oh just... Oh, my God. Jay Lando, you're oh. just... This is just going deeper. Don't worry. When I talk... When I talk... When, when I when I do this interview in the next week or so, I'm I'm going to cite this tweet. Um, it will be it will be part of the discourse, so don't, don't you worry. Um, let us get to some uh, questions uh, before we close this podcast can out. You get, uh, can you get Billy Corgan... <laughs> What does Billy Corgan think what, of Hi-Fi Rush? What's Billy Corgan doing right now? I don't know. He's on the cover of a of cat magazines in Chicago. You've what? seen those, right? You've never seen <laughs> no. these? Oh, my God. This is famous Chicago lore. Um, uh, cat magazine. Oh, yeah. Here we go. This is this is the good shit. Oh, give me a high-res version of it. <laughs> I'm excited here, Okay. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Pause magazine. Um, pa- pause? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! These cats! Yes. I can't tell how these cats look so bemused or annoyed. <laughs> Billy Corgan seems having to be having the time of his life with these cats, though. <laughs> Look, oh, 2018, Billy Corgan returns to cover of Cats Rescue. Incredible. Magazine. I don't have the full uh, one of this, but I have... Uh, oh, no, here's the full one. Sorry, sorry. Excuse me. I can... From the Pause Chicago Instagram account. <laughs> why? Uh, why? Why? Does it, I, I assume he lives in Chicago, right? Like, this is... Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Smashing Pumpkins are a Chicago, a Chicago band. band. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Uh, and he loves cats. Like I mean, who does? I assume yeah, when that's this, great. <laughs> I assume when this, the headline of this article from the uh, oh my god summer fall. Oh man, I feel like this. Hold on, <laughs> Billy Corgi's. All right, I just want to point oh, out. You want to show the consolidation of media? Uh-huh. Pause oh, Chicago uh, magazine at yes. the underneath the the title says summer 2014, and then four years later, Billy Corgan is again on the cover of Pause Chicago magazine. Underneath it says summer fall. 2018. 2018. Oh, That's just wow. Media. Holy that is, shit, oh Patrick. Yeah. Does Paul Chicago even still exist? Man, I don't know. This is why Paul they Chicago. pay you the big bugs. I'm just looking at the details. This is why they pay you in bugs. Um, I missed the fucking uh, pun here because I didn't. I wasn't reading. I was just looking at the cats. But oh, Billy Corgan. Me. Well, I mean, it's just Billy Corgan's Siamese dream, like, like that. Oh, God damn God. it! <laughs> I'm gonna turn this podcast off. <laughs> We're not answering your question. Don't send like, your Billy Corgan. You send your questions to gamingadvice.com. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't avoid it, right? Like it had to be done. It's true. It's true. <laughs> they would be. You would be arrested by the state. <laughs> By culture, not the state, culture. Culture would arrest you for not making 
that pun. You're you're, you're not wrong. Uh, but please do send in uh, your questions to gamingadvice.com with the uh, the headline, the title, questions, and we will uh, toss it into our question bucket. This one comes in from Pavo. Hey, Waypoint Crew, thank you for the content. You know, I just like I like how quickly like Pavo just saying thank you for the content. Look, that's not crass. It's just true. Yeah. It's just true. <laughs> it's fine. It is content. You know, like we dress it up as critique and essays, but you just want you just want to shovel that shit into your mouth. Give me that content. <laughs> Waypoint. Hey, Waypoint crew, thank you for the content. I really enjoyed the recent episodes with interviews in particular. One question and a request for a quality of life feature incoming. Ooh, I look even suggesting titles. Thank you. I like this. Who would you like to interview on what topic for the perfect interview? I felt like Rob already had his wish with the Pentiment interviews, mm. or maybe it would be someone in F1. Ren, does anyone come to mind? It doesn't have to be games, right? We could, we can, we can. The joy, the, the joy of the interview, Waypoint can review Andre Tarkovsky's nostalgia. We cannot be limited <laughs> on what we do here, nor will we limit the spectrum of. Who you will interview? I, I think it'd be really. This is this was joke. I've seen people joke about this before, and I think it's just. I I will I will lean it because I think it's correct. I would I would kill to interview Jeff Vandermeer. Oh, that'd be delicious for me. He wrote a, He wrote a story for Motherboard. Listen, <laughs> so someone someone could. That's a connection. Someone has Someone's that. Got an email. Someone can do that conversation. Yeah, like that. That one is. Listen, if someone let me interview Jeff Vandermeer, that would be a godsend. I want to. Ooh, I want to <laughs> talk to that. I want to talk to that man so bad. He writes good books. Y'all ever heard of these Ugh. books got letters in them crazy you can assemble those into phonemes Whew. <laughs> damn phonemes yeah you put enough wow. those in sequence you can produce meaning <laughs> holy <laughs> shit for 30 almost 38 years in still working on that <laughs> one maybe you can ask them how it works crazy. <laughs> kato does anyone who do you want to talk to, i don't kato? know because i'm bad at talking <laughs> well you don't have to be Presume, presume a presume world that where I have, don't get anxiety you have, having a you conversation. Have ultimate confidence, <laughs> yeah. or we're on this call with you, and we we got your back. Who like who do you <sighs> think would be interesting to speak with? God, it's hard. You might have to come back to me if you have one because there's okay too many options, <laughs> and I haven't oh, actually yes, thought the, about this because a true I, Kato's choice. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, cannot, when, you know, I, I could sit and think about this. I could be intellectual about it. But I think the mostly for the Waypoint audience, like part of what I'm thinking is, what is Waypoint going to enjoy the most from my interview? And I think I have such a rich history with Weezer's River. I was going to say. <laughs> that I could not help but think that would be, <sighs> look, go... Look up the unauthorized biography to Weezer, River's Edge. I'm cited in there. I'm important wow. in the Weezer fan oh my God. lore. I was getting demo tapes in the mail that I had to archive. Um, Amazing. Yeah. You're so and strong, Patrick. Yes. And I've had, I've had uh, one in-person uh, uh, interaction with Rivers Cuomo uh, in, 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 when I was much younger, when I was... Uh, I don't know, 15, 16, something, something like that, in, in which I shared an elevator with him. I played foosball with him. Um, uh, my dad, he, my dad tried to shake his arm and, and Rivers Cuomo walked right past him. And my dad never let it go, would bring it up 
const like all he lived for someone to ask about that shitty Weezer guy that wouldn't shake his hand and instead went into his tour bus. So I would just I frankly would would have to confront Mr. Cuomo over these social crimes um, and our, our long history with with one another. I'll say, Mr. Yeah. Cuomo, my dad went to his grave angry with you. How does that make you feel? <laughs> cool interview. <laughs> this is just a public confrontation. <laughs> Mr. Cuomo. You maybe listened, made a lot of people listen to a lot of racism on that Pinkerton album, but those riffs were pretty sick. How does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think Rivers Cuomo is uh, is my choice. I think that would be a delight. Cato, we wrap back. Did up. you settle on any? You, yeah, you I did. You don't have to I pick did. one. Do you have, okay, all right, all um, right. I mean, you know, not to be exactly the person who I am, but I would... Oh, we would ask nothing less. <laughs> wow, that'd we, be crazy. It's almost like well, Patrick just said Rivers Cuomo and I said I Jeff Vandermeer. <laughs> yeah, Whoa, no. crazy. Yo, Kato, you're going to be on brand. Is it that'd somehow more embarrassing than those? Um, Richard Garfield, the designer behind Magic the Gathering and Hell Netrunner. Yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. Hell yeah. Two for two. What? <laughs> not, not, yes. Two for a million, honestly. He's got uh, a lot of games. Like, it's... In, it's surprising every time I look into another card game, I'm like, fucking Richard did this one too? Star Wars, the the TCG also? Like, what? What are you doing out here? Oh, is this Rich's game? Yeah, he, nice. just, keeps, he just keeps making them. Oh, hell yeah. It's, it's like crazy. Um, uh, because, like, especially, like, big names, like, there's a Battletech CCG that I was, like, randomly going through when I was like really like looking at like the history of Battletech games and I was like oh of course this is Richard Garfield <laughs> like um so it'd be you know I think it'd be really interested in talk- talking to him especially because it's wild how different the design of Magic and Netrunner have become and like the the like seeds of those things being com- coming from the same person is very interesting to me um and uh yeah I think it'd be really fun uh, one of the most heartwarming moments I've ever experienced in my life was after Austin and I took a meeting to talk to some of the folks that worked on Cyberpunk uh, 2077, the CD Projekt Red game. Uh, we were in, you know, a lot of times when you go to these, this was like in one of the business areas of E3. So the way it works is like you walk down a nondescript hallway, look for a logo, and then it says, says like CD Projekt Red. So you walk in, there's a desk. You give them your name, your appointment, and then usually you're kind of like in a holding like, would you like some snacks, some coffee, some water? While some PR person goes and fetches uh, whoever you're supposed to talk to for the next 30 minutes. Um, and so we went and did our interview. And then when we came out, Austin saw, I think it was Mike Pondsmith, like the creator mm, yeah. of, of Cyberpunk, happened to just be, I'm sure he was doing interviews, but was just there. And Austin's like, I think, I think I'm going to do it. And I was like, yo, you're going to go talk to him? He's like, yeah. I was like, fucking do it, man. Like, everyone's allowed to fanboy out once or twice in their life and go be respectful about it. And I didn't go with him. <laughs> I was like, you, you just, you go do this thing. Like, you go, go have your moment. And it was, it was, it was, it was very cool uh, to, to watch from a distance. Um, all right. Uh, what else uh, do we have here? Uh, my email is a two-parter. This comes from Andrew. 
to carry on Patrick's discussion of neighbors getting involved in renovations. Uh, my mother had a neighbor who she caught with a measuring tape measuring the distance from her front porch to the sidewalk. He did this to ensure it wasn't too close to violate council ordinances. The dude was terrible. That was just one of a dozens of examples of heinous passive aggressive behavior. If people want to write in with more of these, I would love to hear low level like kinds of interactions between neighbors, uh, especially in places that probably have HOAs, which is that just gives people a license to be shitty. No. Part two, Rob's discussion about the storage room has clinched it for me. And I there's a specific reason I bring this up with, with Rob not here. Because I think, you know, I think we as a council need to discuss it. <laughs> we need to hear from MK. How many Waypoint Plus subs do I need to get to buy for us to get a special AMK, A-M-A-A-R, ask me anything about Rob? <laughs> Over the past dec- half decade, we have heard countless stories from one perspective. And I feel like there's another very crucial, silent, a likely more objective perspective involved in these conversations. I'd love to hear the rest of the crew field these questions to MK, assuming MK would be okay with that, of course. <laughs> Keep fucking that capitalism, Andrew. I don't like the way that's phrased. No. Um, <laughs> but I agree. I can't, you know, I can't guarantee something like that would happen. Mm-hmm. But I, the, the notion of a Rob, a, a Robless podcast in which we just ask MK, why is Rob... Why is like, Rob? I think what actually, makes Rob? Okay, you know what? <laughs> it being robless would be worse because Rob there would cause him to become incredibly defensive yeah. and guilty yeah. and would elicit a bunch of really good reactions. I think <laughs> Rob would actually true. have to be there Jesus. as a part because you can imagine him just be, just we just we, we set up a separate just sweating. We set up a separate timer. He's only got a minute, mm-hmm. so whenever he starts talking, you hit it, and then when he stops, you stop it. And he he was only got a minute for throughout uh-huh. this entire yeah. conversation, but he can react. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like a power meter charging up. Like yeah. the longer MK talks, like the more a meter is filling <laughs> for Rob uh, that they are they are unleashed. Uh, I I will. The nature of MK's job might prevent something like that happening but don't worry i've your your request has been heard <laughs> we agree with you that it would be excellent and if there's a world where it could happen one day know that it will be whispered into the air um but if not we will continue i think i might just have to set up a separate channel with mk i've, I've met mk in real life you know we're more than acquaintances at this point she's met my children MK, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get a side perspective and maybe bring that in to the to the podcast. We're missing. Uh, last but not least, um, this comes in from uh, Diego. Hello, pointers of the way, <clears throat> Diego from Chile here. So this year I'm turning thirty and finally listened to my uncle, who's been telling me for the past two decades that everyone in the family has a fucked up brain. So I went to get myself checked, and turns out I do, in fact, have a fucked up brain. So as part of 2023's New Year, New Me, I decided to take it literally and started on treatment, drugs, to properly balance my brain chemistry. (laughs) Unfortunately, as a result, I now have a thing that's called emotions. Not sure if you've heard of them, but they suck ass and I hate them for turning turning me into a giant baby who cries for no reason when I decided to make... Uh, worse on myself because I, which I decided to make worse on myself because I'm using my new perspective in life to rewatch old movies, mm. which is a thing I never did before. And I'm finding that most movies and TV shows I dismissed as boring 
are now messing me up at the slightest of provocations. <laughs> that been said, and I swear I'll get to my question now. There are still some movies and TV shows that don't really affect me. For example, and I'm sure Kato will understand this reference, mm. The Talking Dog from Full Metal Alchemist. What? I would also what? I also understand that reference perfectly. That you're a freak. Yeah, you something <laughs> are you sure they're giving you enough drugs? This person is trying to trying to <laughs> excuse me better themselves. Rob, you I mean Patrick, sorry. Patrick, you don't understand. I wish does it matter? No, Do we Patrick spoil should it? not. You no, can, so it's just spoilers for Full Metal Alchemist. Spoilers. Well, <laughs> one, this would Patrick. This would just this would devastate you. So the premise is okay. Look, that a man loves his daughter very much. Hold on, uh, theoretically, and uh, we have to set up the world of. Yeah. No, we're not. We're, we don't no, have time for good. that. We're good. Hit me with the punchline. Hit me with the punchline. No, out. Two young men appear at a home to meet an alchemist. Right. They befriend him immediately. They're learning from him. But more importantly, they befriend his daughter, who he loves very much. He talks about how much he loves his daughter constantly. She has a big dog. The boys befriend the daughter and the dog. There's rambunctious shenanigans. It is some true, incredible found family shit over the course of over the course of the episode. Uh, the man's wife mysteriously passed years before. Uh, Hold on. What? The reason they're, mm-hmm. the reason they're visiting him is that he's it does, a, a famous. It doesn't matter. I feel it. This sets up for what's going to happen. I said that he okay. was a famous right. alchemist. I said. I it's, said. He's, but he's famous for making the world's first talking chimera, an animal that talks. Like he alchemized that. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Uh, and so they're there, mm. and then they mm. discover the truth of his dark secret, which is that he chimeraed his wife. And as they learn this, they're like. Oh my God! You're fucking kidding me! And they go up to 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 stop him, and he reveals that he chimeraed his daughter uh, because he needed to pass his uh, licensure. He needs to pass his uh, certification so again, and they're like, "You gotta make another one of those, or else you lose yeah. your alchemy license." And so you get upstairs and you see uh, his daughter fused with a dog, uh, and then she goes, uh, "Big brother to Ed and Elric, uh, to Ed and There's, Alphonse, yeah. uh, the 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 boys who she has bonded with over the course of this found family story." Uh, and she goes, "Big brother Ed," and it's the most tragic shit you've ever seen <laughs> in your fucking life. It is Gross. the it is the worst shit you've yeah. ever seen. It is weeping, crying, throwing up. If that shit didn't get to you, I don't. <laughs> I you know what? Look, listen. I've, the I've fact s- that other shit gets to you, I'm, I'm sure you are emotionally normal. However, <laughs> you told me that in isolation. <laughs> right, right. That one on its own, just like what? Uh, I I've circled it's fully crazy. around on it. Of like, you know, I I first saw that happen in the original FMA anime that came out ages ago when I was in like high school uh, and then watched it happen again when they did the remake <laughs> so so much so that I I uh, I enjoy memes about this at this point you know talking animal memes where there's like it's that's how we it's, deal with exactly trauma. this is what I'm trying to say it's like it, it was so <laughs> traumatic that I have had to circle around to making jokes about it to like cope <laughs> Like, it is very strongly emotional. <laughs> uh, so to continue, uh, the, the letter. Oh, wow. This is wow. This person is digging themselves into a bigger ditch. Uh, I never cared about that scene. <laughs> and it still does nothing for me. So maybe, so maybe my ex was right when he said I had a cold, dead heart. Uh, or maybe anime fans are just weak. No! Shh. Violence. Me Diego from Philly. 
choosing violence. Diego. Either way. Fucking also, that's to be, to be clear. The way that the the reveal that happens is her just calling is the animal is the dog chimera calling Edward big brother right like you don't know any of this before that right like that is the moment so like it all leads up to this like oh just fucking hard it's not like you find out before and so that so, some yeah. of the like emotional punch is like pulled back because you already know he's done this horrible thing it's like that is how mm-hmm. you find out is the recognition yeah. of oh that. That person's in there and remembers. <laughs> like, it's so fucked. <laughs> that was a child. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Not good. <laughs> uh, all right. To conclude this question, do you all have any piece of media, movie, TV show, book that you know has messed up a lot of people but does nothing to you? Is there a movie that everyone <laughs> cries at that doesn't phase you in the slightest? Fuck capitalism and riot like the French. Love. <laughs> Diego from Chile. Total side uh, to all this entire question, but during the recent French strike, yeah. I think that that's been yeah. either finished or just happened. Did you see the the folks like with the grill on the, wheels? Yeah, the grill on the fucking yes. Yeah. So like, oh my god, they know how to fucking Man, strike I'm, over there. <laughs> America doesn't have a high transit system, and we can't strike worth shit because yeah. the, the <laughs> oh. Does it, yeah, does anyone have uh, anything that comes to mind that is uh, I, maybe something that goes as hard as the scene from Full Metal <laughs> Alchemist, but it like doesn't didn't didn't do anything for you? And if if you don't have one, broadly speaking, I guess like how does media like the, the emotional journey this person has gone on? Like how does media impact? Like what kind of emotional responses do you even have to media yeah. more broadly? I am an extremely emotional media watcher. I will, I will cry if I see a nice dad gone, obliterated. But, <laughs> but the Last of Us does fucking nothing. Not a second of it. Not a second of mm. anything related to that story. I, I, it's hard to explain the kind of dad stories that land for me. But like, The Last of Us, nothing. God of War, nothing. An abs, not even a, not even a fragment. But those are. Da- I, I feel like actually an easy explanation for that is that they are dad centered, right? Yes. They are from the perspective of the father. Like Ellie is a char- Ellie is a character in that. Atreus is a character in that, but, and not that you, I'm sure you have, you know, I don't want to, you know, be over generalized. Maybe, maybe you have responded to stories that are clearly from the perspective of the father that you found meaningful. But I think there's something about those two stories in no, particular. When we call point. about like the dadification of games. Like it is not merely that a dad is present and that they like, <laughs> have complicated feelings about children or their own children. But those are very much from the perspective of this weight that the dad feels. Yes. And I, I can then I can then see how that might be lost on on someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A twenty a twenty two year old lesbian does not it's not landing for right. me. Right. And that's <laughs> fair. It's like a family story. Like maybe maybe some people can see it through Ellie and Yada, you know, clearly the second game tries to go down that path unsuccessfully, I'd argue. But I, I think that is very much the nature of the storytelling of those now, two stories in particular. Here's the surprising one for, I feel okay. like is going to surprise. I cannot. Uh, Taylor Swift does nothing for me. Not a, not mm. a single, not a mm-hmm. single. So I have friends who lost their fucking minds and it does less than nothing for me absolutely <laughs> absolutely does not yeah i listen to it and i go damn shout out to that producer 
Good, good, you, good. See your friends crying at these songs? Oh yeah. Patrick. I don't know if I've ever cried at a song. Period. Let alone. Well, oh, Taylor Swift. Well, we have an album for you. Uh, that makes one of us. I've cried at a lot of songs. I've I've wept at a lot of music. Uh, do you? Do you, hey, types Patrick? Of, do you want to cry at a song? I know which album. I know which album you're talking about. I, like Austin's written about that album before. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think it would. I I think it is more fundamental mm. that like music and also video games have such a high bar to clear to connect with me emotionally in that way that like, it's so hard for a video game to eke. Like there'll be times where like, I'm trying, like I'm trying game. Like I'm in the place I can't do it. Like there's something about those mediums that don't speak to me in that way. Even if I think they can emotionally accomplish a lot. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, it like TV and movies, uh, Mostly it was like, I, I didn't, re- I didn't cry at things until my, my dad passed. And then there was something about that that uncorked, like, I don't know if it was a, I would describe it as a blockage, but it just didn't hit me in the same way. And then he dies and just, ah, oh, shit. Like, uh, like a Hallmark commercial where, you know, is, is getting me, um, like I was just off of a, you know, it's not just something like a, like the leftovers were, you know, a story about loss and grief and families it is the most basic stuff in the world post the the death of my dad that sort of just like uncorked something emotionally in me that uh it just takes takes nothing but for music and games it's a really high hill to climb for me personally kato anything come to mind no i think most of the time it fits i don't know Maybe it's the, the 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 type of people that I hang out with uh, mostly align with my tastes already. So like I don't maybe the, maybe it has happened that I don't know because I don't know that that's the 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 popular opinion of a thing to not hit. But like, um, yeah, I feel like I I uh don't openly weep super often, but like get there like very close mm-hmm. to like okay, like it, I feel it in my chest mostly. You know that sort of feeling. But uh, yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything that like was supposed to hit and didn't in that way. Yeah, I where, feel like, like people I think talk. We're about all it. too. We're all too weepy. Yeah, right? I think like I think that is. <laughs> I think that's what we're learning people. is like, like if you want to ask like, what are stories about that emotionally devastate you? Like, and then we could do that oh, for sure. an hour. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but when the first one of the first. Either the first or one of the first dates that my wife and I went on after the birth of our uh, our first kid was to go see Arrival in the movie theater. And the trailers for that movie are, who's ready for like an intellectual sci-fi episode? <laughs> like, things don't blow up. It's about language. It's about communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then about five minutes into that movie, you realize that like the emotional core yeah. of like one of the main characters is that their young daughter died of cancer at an extremely early age. And <laughs> my wife turns to me sobbing. It's like, why did we go see, see this, this yeah. movie? It's like, it wasn't in the trailers. It wasn't. Like, don't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the movie was great, though. I love that movie. Uh, fucking Patrick, a thing that I recently uh, lightly sobbed to, the ending of Lost. Yeah. <laughs> The ending of Lost. Yeah, of bro. Lost. Okay, we're not gonna do it now. No. We're not gonna do it now. 
<laughs> we we meant to do like a reoccurring segment. Wait, wait, wait. I, uh, I kept checking in with yeah. Lost. I kept forgetting. <laughs> but that you finished it. The ending of Lost is one of my. Put aside, in short, in a in a short version, we'll get into a spoiler version that we're definitely going to do. This. Yes, great. Like, okay. the, you have like being able to talk for forty five minutes at the end of Lost, like <laughs> like sicko mode activate. Uh, the short version of the ending of Lost is that I. I, I fully understand why people don't think it maybe like delivers on the lore world, whatever, mm-hmm. but like on a character level, like on an emotional level, yes. I like it's, it's a, it's a home. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, Did you conversation in the church between two people? Like <laughs> oh, that scene, okay. That scene got me to cry before my dad died. Oh. Every time I watch it now, I'm just like, I'm just like on the flat, just a Dead, puddle, gone. just a, yeah, the worst. Absolutely. The worst. <laughs> uh, all right, we will I, get yeah. to that. That is, you've seen, this question. You've seen the, the epilogue, right? I assume you have. Oh, that, yeah, of that course. That shit is so funny. Course. Okay, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Diego from Chile. The thing you accomplished here was uncorking <laughs> a, I don't know, I, I don't even know if we can do this. Kind of, uh, fuck it. We get, Waypoint Plus. Allows us yeah. to do whatever the hell we this want. This is true. And we're just gonna do a we're just gonna do a lost podcast. Great. You <laughs> and me. We are Perfect. I don't want to be restricted to oh we should only do twenty minutes after the pod. No. <laughs> it's twenty twenty three and we're, we're gonna, gonna do, do a, a lost. lost spoiler cast. <laughs> Patrick's gonna try and remember yeah. things about the Dharma initiative. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Diego from Chile and I'm I'm glad that you got the drugs that you needed. It sounds like you're crying, but in a way that makes you happy. And that makes that makes us happy. Uh, you can write in to uh, gamingatvice.com if you would like to ask questions about games. The ending of Lost. Um, we All comers uh, are, 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 can be directed to that inbox. Uh, that's a wrap on today's episode, though. You can uh, find more of Waypoint at Waypoint on Twitter, on Facebook. And YouTube at waypoint.vice.com on Twitch at twitch.tv slash waypoint. Uh, you can subscribe to everything we've got going on at waypointplus.com. Waypoint Plus subscribers, uh, you didn't hear an ad. Uh, didn't. If you, but sometimes you like to hear our ads, but like you could just, you could also subscribe to Waypoint Plus, listen to Rob and Patrick talk about butcher box meats um, <laughs> and like still get bonus podcasts and yeah. podcasts early for the Waypoint Plus feed. Uh, this week, we had nothing in the Waypoint Plus feed because last week we had uh, sports, sports. Uh, go up. Uh, I think next week we're going to do uh, My Turns, uh, the uh, latest one, The Green Knight by David Lowry. We're going to do that this week, and then Rob's uh, construction uh, pushed, pushed that yeah. back. So hopefully we'll get to that uh, next week. I know that uh, Rob is also working on the next episode of Manhunting, but there's some scheduling stuff going on. Sports will also come back. Uh, just ahead of the Super Bowl, so lots of stuff when's, uh, going on in the Super future. Super Bowl this year, February thirteenth. Ah, oh, sick. So, um, like the final playoffs are this weekend, and then they take a week off in between before the the final game. Uh, our theme music is by Bowen. The track is "Miss You" off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. Uh, we should also shout out. This has been a week in which some writing has gone up on the website. We already mentioned uh, Ren's review of season. Uh, with the headline "Scrapping at the End of the World" in season, uh, Rob and I did a kind of back and forth letter series on Dead Space. Uh, Dead Space is back, and Dead Space still kicks ass, uh, which is a, a nice 
uh, treat on top of the hour-long discussion Rob and I had about that game uh, earlier in the podcast. Uh, And that is all that went on the site. But those are two meaty things. And uh, fitting that in in between all the other stuff we do can be a challenge. So go and check that out. Uh, You can follow me uh, at Patrick Klepek on Twitter. And I, I did... There are now client, good client, like a good iOS client for Mastodon launched. And so I did. I am going to start using that for what? I don't know. But <laughs> I am also over there at Patrick Klepek, at Mastodon.social, if you want to start following me over there. Uh, Ren, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. Also, last thing, uh, if you've not reviewed the podcast before in iTunes, please take the time to do so. We have something like 1.7 thousand reviews. I want to get us to 2,000. I think that'd be fun. If you go in and write a review, I will read, even when Rob is hosting, I will hijack the podcast and I will read your review. Do you have a question? Dump it in there. I guarantee to get answered. (laughs) Skip the cue. Amazing. Mina Kimes used to do this on her podcast. I don't know if, like, she stopped doing it, so I wonder if, like, iTunes said stop. But <laughs> Is that too close to, me. like... Come at me, <laughs> iTunes. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you go there, review the podcast, frankly, however many stars, doesn't matter. That's up to you. But if you would review it, I'd love in the next month or so to see if we can hit 2,000. So if you haven't had a chance to do that, get on over there and review it. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, That is it. Uh, Calling time on this episode. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.